Go to FusionMuscle.com. Use KOTL25 to get 25% off of all of your supplements. And they got it all for you. Dropped off of your house. And not only that, you give back to the podcast you've been listening to. You want our audio increased? You want higher quality? Well, guess what? We need your help. And this is how we're going to do it. FusionMuscle.com. Promo code K-O-T-L-25, and let's get it poppin'. Six-pack lap of that. Today, we got, um, come on, let you introduce yourself, sir. Caffey Fitness. Caffey Fitness, and, um... We got we got Screamer on UL, and uh, it's always interesting when we have Screamer on. My man is um, when he was powerlifting. I remember saying he's probably my favorite powerlifter because when he hit the platform, it was wild. Like he was like entertaining and like, uh, but it was genuine, you know. In his background, you talk to him his story, like the battles he'd gone through, like mental health wise, um, and incredibly open open about it, and and the journey he's been on since we talked to him. Two years ago, 2017, and he's hit the peak of powerlifting, breaking IPF open world records in total. Um, and he, he's been through it all, basically, all the ups, downs, and he's pretty open, so you you watch him progress and go through it. And uh, so so I'm, I'm excited to have him on, and I know we're going to go deep. We're going to go deep. It's probably, we'll, we'll touch up on where, it, where he was, what he's doing up to, up to right now. And then um, I want to close off with him. I want to go deep into this with him about his journey. Get a little introspective on it because uh, I know he will. He'll go there with you and, um, and he can articulate himself really well. So looking forward to that. But I do want to say, I believe it's the last podcast that John Hack when I dropped. We were talking about, was that, it was me and you, John Hack. Yeah. And we were talking about um, comparing who was the greatest athlete of all time was. Right. And because Muhammad Ali came when he came, um, you know, the, the civil rights movement. Yeah, yeah. So um, it, was, it was still like, you know, just a quick catch up. Essentially, sports writers around the world said it had to be Ali who's the greatest athlete in terms of impact for a bunch of reasons. Um, a, he came, and this is like impact in terms of how he impacted as a sport how we impacted culture, how we impacted how we thought, how he brought the sport to another level. Ali, uh, in terms of how good he was, like he fucking beat the best of the best. In terms of how good was his opposition at the time, or was it kind of weak? It was the greatest heavyweight division, like Joe Frazier, George Foreman. It was so good. George Foreman's heavyweight champion at that time. Retired, came back, that was in the 70s, came back in the 90s, 20 years later, like 90s, won the title all over again as a 45-year-old man. So that's how good George Foreman was, and that's how good the heavyweights from that era were. They can go back, most people are like, well, 20 years later, you know, 20 years before us, we're so much better nowadays, just because we're with we, everything we know about training and everything. Right. They were so good in Muhammad Ali's era, he could bounce, come back as a middle-aged man, and still be the best. Yeah, man. that's huge. So Ali's era, Joe Frazier, George Foreman, Ken Norton, that was the best of the best. Sonny Liston, it was the golden era. He reigned for the 60s and 70s, two different eras crossed over. So he checks those two boxes, 
Wait, how old was he when he came back? Uh, Ali? No, George Foreman. He's 45 years old and he was heavyweight champion of the world. That's yet. crazy. So would some people argue that maybe since he was able to come back winning while he was old and the competition wasn't as like good or athletic, people make that argument? That when he came back and won again? Yeah, saying that like, oh man, he won it being that old. Maybe those people just weren't as good if he was able to do that one being that in old. In the 90s, well, but the guys in the 90s were like Vander Holyfield, Mike Tyson, Michael Moore. Like those guys are phenomenal, but it just goes to show they are not Muhammad Ali. Right. Yeah. He fought Ali in his prime and he got knocked out. Like, yeah, I'm, that, that's the, where it puts my point into perspective. It does 20 years later, they couldn't touch what Ali was doing 20 years before. That's fucking crazy. Mm. But also, so Ali, and then also what he did for the sport in terms of, like, he put boxing on his shoulders and took it to, like the worldwide, didn't matter where you were, what language you spoke, all around the world, everyone knew who Muhammad Ali was. Boxing was the premier sport, um, and in, in terms of like uh, how he impacted culture, he would go like to the southern states at a time when the civil rights movement was happening with Martin Luther King, Malcolm X. Those guys are polarizing. Both wanted to bring forward, but had polarizing one on the left, one on the right, so to speak. Ali was around at that time. Yeah, yeah. Whites and blacks with segregation in certain states. He would go and like have debates at universities and like like what he could do like that when they took away his boxing title for refusing to fight in Vietnam. Like timing is everything. He came at a time when the greatest heavyweights in the world existed and he fought in that era. He came at a time when boxing was like the premier sport and everyone, you might be into soccer, you might be into hockey, depending on what nation you're from. Everybody was into boxing. He came at that time. And then he also came at a time when the civil rights movement were going on. And he wasn't just there at that time. He was a forefront, one of the bigger figures of that time, speaking at events and, and doing touring when they took away his title for standing up to his beliefs and like everything about him. He, his charisma and speaking and how he impacted his sport as well as culture as well as he's the greatest in his sport at that time in his division anyways as well as as the greatest division of the heavyweights we'd ever seen all of that together it's just the perfect storm where if he came around in the 90s let's say he came around in the 90s the heavyweights weren't as big weren't as good because well, you saw Foreman came back in the nineties and won at forty five. Right. So he, if he fought during a different era where the heavyweights weren't as good, the civil rights movement had gone and passed. Yeah. Or he came around. There's there was a black president. It wasn't. We didn't need him going college to college talking to kids. Like there's you yes, know it just impact wouldn't have been as it big. just wouldn't and it wouldn't have been his fault. He no. could be the exact same Ali. Timing is everything, and and him being him at that time. So that's why I'm saying other people might have come around. It's just it can't hold up. So we started talking and other people go, okay, let's just fucking say Ali's the number one, the greatest athlete period because of all that. And not just the greatest in boxing because Sugar Ray Robinson was 127 in one. That was his record. Right. He was better at boxing than Ali. Let's just say that. It's true. But Sugar Robinson is an Ali in terms of his impact and everything. But, so I was through that. There were people like, who else? Let's just say Ali's one, because I don't think anyone's going to, for all the reasons I just said, mm-hmm. it just isn't going to happen. You're not going to trump that. But who would be number two? Who'd and be people number started two? throwing out things like, well, how about, like, um, there's some good ones, like what Tiger Woods did for golf. Hmm. Now, he fucked up and dropped the ball in his personal life. That's so true. it's hard to look up to him, whatever. But let's take, let's look past take that, that for a second. Yeah. He was. He's not just a black dude. He's actually 
he's actually more Asian, isn't he? I I honestly don't know. If he's I don't there. know, but someone said he's like you know what he's actually. Any the point is. He, he wasn't just like a 55-year-old white guy that you picture. Yeah. He changed the game, how you see it. He was young, hip. He lifted weights. He was bodied up. Mm-hmm. He he was like like Nike and everything. Like he was impactful. He cha- he, he literally, you could say, changed how you viewed his sport. Which I is never what pay I, attention to golf, but I'll I don't follow Tiger Woods. There, and that's, that's, there it is. Like even like All recently across the he's world. competing, I'll, I'll go follow and see like how he's doing. All across <laughs> the world. If you told me, hey, Tiger's making a comeback, I'm listening. He, what he did for golf, exactly that. Um, so he, that's a game changer, is impact. There's someone. You could find me a better golfer with better numbers, but that's not exactly what I'm saying, is it? Just like I could find you a better boxer than Ali, mm-hmm. but nobody impacted like Ali exactly. boxing. Um, other guy would be Wayne Gretzky for hockey. True. Now, he rewrote the record books, and he has records that will never be touched. That's one prerequisite because Ali, if not the best boxer pound for pound with all weight classes, is definitely the in terms of what he did in the heavyweight class, the best heavyweight class is number one. Wayne Gretzky rewrote hockey, but more than that, off of he had a dynasty in Edmonton that might be one of the best sports franchise dominant dynasties in all sports. That's big, but when he left Edmonton and signed into LA, that expansion. NHL said, we need you in the U.S. We want to make a play for the U.S. Right now, 80% of hockey is Canadians playing in the NHL. We need to grow beyond that. He went to L.A. and started showing up at Hollywood parties and, you know, the big movie stars were taking pictures of him. He was dating a model, married or whatever. And um, his movement to L.A. and then continued to break records made L.A. Kings a franchise dynasty, started winning titles and shit. What he did with hockey expanding into the U.S. and the U.S. market, and then everyone in the U.S. became hip to throw out Wayne Gretzky. It didn't matter if you knew hockey at all. You knew who Wayne Gretzky was. Mm -hmm. You transcended the game. You put the game on your back and expanded the game. That is what now Wayne Gretzky has to be in contention. Then people are saying, well, if it's that, what about Smokey Robinson, the baseball player? The first, um, I think, was he the first black baseball player in the... I'm not a big baseball guy. I'm not huge in the baseball either. But I think he was. And he took a lot of heat and everything. I was right. like, yes. So impactfully, what he did to the game, and then culturally, because Gretzky did that for the game, but culturally, he didn't have what Ali did. Right. You know, I'm sure he had a charity. Everybody does. I'm sure he went to charitable galas. All these guys are going to. They're going to, okay? Mm-hmm. But what he did impactfully, it just wasn't. But he was also... Middle class white guy from North America. It's fucking tough. It isn't like he he wasn't called upon to do that. But um, Smokey Robinson, on the flip side, impacted the way we saw things. Game changer. But wasn't one of the greatest in terms of baseball. I don't believe his numbers are up there like he's one of the greatest. So he yeah, checks a couple boxes. He checks his couple boxes, but not all of them. Gretzky checks, his, checks a couple boxes, but not all of them. But we're debating now. And I, I like how people are throwing this, this out there. Right. So I heard Gretzky. Um, some people said uh, Bo Jackson. True. Okay. Well, in terms of the greatest athlete for, he played two sports, NFL and um, MLB, like baseball pro. In terms of straight up athletic ability, sure. I feel like he, he cha- probably threw Jordan in there too. How, however, hey, well, let's talk about Jordan one sec. However, he didn't change either game. And he didn't change how we look. He didn't change how we think. He didn't, he's, he's great. Athletically, but he's not a game changer. We're, I'm looking past the numbers. Mm-hmm. I'm not asking who's the greatest dynasty, who's the greatest athlete like that. I'm saying who's the... When Ali said, I am the greatest, 
he was the best heavyweight in the world, two different generations worth, and beat the best heavyweights ever. But he knew he's talking about impactfully. When I leave the game, you ain't never gonna see another me. Mm. You understand? Like he, that's kind of what he's talking about, and that's oh, kind yeah. of what I'm talking about. Impactfully, we never had another rally when he left, and we right, still won. Right. We mourn his losses. Um, Bo Jackson wasn't that. Let's talk Jordan for a second though, because he is what. You didn't have to like basketball, and you knew Michael Jordan. Exactly. You wanted to be like Jordan. Yeah. They literally had a campaign, be like Mike. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Was literally, a that was a slogan. Like Mike. Be like Mike. Yeah. And you don't have to even be a basketball guy to be like, that guy was fucking cool as shit. Mm-hmm. You know, he had just inspired people. I didn't have to be in the basketball. I fucking love Jordan. I was all about Jordan. And I wasn't even a basketball guy growing up. That's what I'm talking about. Where you have generations of people, you transcend. If he showed up, I dropped them in the middle of Asia. They know who Michael Jordan is, mm-hmm. you know, and they want to get up close and, and interview him and get like just whatever. So I think Jordan checks those boxes in terms of rewriting record books, being a dominant in the sport. Okay. Smokey Robinson was the first culturally and everything and change things within the sport. So the way we think outside of the sport, the way we think in the sport, check, check, probably a phenomenal player had to be, to be able to make it into the big leagues, phenomenal player. But was he the best player ever or even top three? Because I don't care. People say, well, I think LeBron over Jordan. LeBron could beat all of Jordan's numbers. But has LeBron impacted basketball like Jordan has? Jordan's in the, you know, like, like, no one's saying be like LeBron. You know what I'm saying? Like, in turn, I drop LeBron anywhere in the world. I'm sure he's famous, but his impact on how we think isn't quite there. Mm -hmm. However, total opposite, Jordan takes heat with, like, his shoes, for instance, culturally. It's huge. Yeah. But in terms of changing the world and doing better, some people actually say he's doing the opposite. And where you hear stories, I don't want to get into this. I don't know. I don't know enough about it to get into it. But the whole idea of Nike sweatshops and all that bullshit, oh, fair and be like, yeah. it'd be the opposite. He yeah, would, there's the drama he, behind his brand. There's too. actually times where people are like, "We wish you would speak up on when there was police brutality in the U.S. and like he would yeah, like he's more like I'm sticking to let I'm me sell my shoes game. And he would actually be unabashedly say, "You know what? If I get too political." It'll impact my dollar. I want to sell shoes. Mm-hmm. I don't want to. That's how I'm making my bread. I'm not going to impact selling shoes. Where the opposite, Ali, he didn't believe in the Vietnam War, and they're like, "We will strip your heavyweight title. You're in your prime right now. We are going to take your title away from you, and you will lose your prime years." And as far as he knew, his career would never come back. And he's like, "Take my fucking title. Mm-hmm. Like, we'll throw you in prison." He goes, "Throw me in prison. We will silence you." He's like, "You will yeah. never silence me." And that's why people are like, God damn Ali. He's like, I give a fuck. You won't make a dime. You will never be, history books, will, you will never be what you could have been. We'll take that from you. Your youth is this big. We're going to take a chunk of your youth and you will never be get those years back. And he's like, fucking take it. Mm-hmm. That's it, bro. That's the difference between him and Jordan. Exactly. You know, you know what I mean? He's, and they, you could do all that. You will never stop what I'm doing. Are you gonna, You think you're taking that away? You're making me bigger. Watch yourself. You're making me bigger if you do this to me. You know, and Ali could, because he is, if you ever seen clips of him when he went down to the South and went to those universities and had those debates, he can fucking talk. Oh, for And like sure. he knew he's like, you he know, I'm the wrong guy. I'm the wrong guy. If that was Mike Tyson you were doing that to, God bless. Tyson's not doing a tour in his prime talking and articulating shit. He would be, you know, he just couldn't. Um, not people, almost nobody could. So just talking like that, there was Ali, I said Pele, some people said Pele's not even the best soccer player, and they were saying like Messi, etc. Mm-hmm. And and had yeah, probably. But when when people think around the world soccer, and if you're 
we got a lot of people who are listening who are like, please don't call it soccer, call it football. All right, right. But you know, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah, yeah. People did Messi impact? Did he? Is he a game changer like Pele? When you think of soccer or football, do you think Messi or do you think Pele worldwide? I don't know. I'm going to be honest. I don't know if if Pele. Culturally well, I think speaking, one right you, now, you're a soccer guy. You, you dealt. So I'm like, glad right, you're here. Right now, there's the huge debate between Messi and Ronaldo. Like it's kind of like both of these guys are at the top of the game right now. So it's not even like there's one indistinguishable with Pele. It was no no contest. Like Pele is the man of this of like his era, basically. So I mean, right now the debate's not even done of who's better between Messi or Ronaldo. It's still going. So and so in terms of who's better. I already said, look, Ali wasn't the best boxer pound for pound. Best exactly. heavyweight, best heavyweight, sure. Yeah. Best boxer. But so in I terms of impact, impact on and the all sport, that. Sport, hundred percent Pele. Really? Better, yeah. I'd say better impact. A game changer. Uh pushing the sport forward. It got more popular under him. Look at Ali. Under Ali, boxing became like the gates they had. Um, in terms of like the money, people would buy a ticket, go down to the movie theater and watch the fight in the movie theater if it's Ali. Right. You know what I'm saying? In terms yeah. of the money they would, in terms of like the possibilities, if you were the heavyweight champion of the world because of Ali, everyone knew who the heavyweight champion of the world was. He was the most famous, he was the most famous person in the world. Let that sink in for a second here. We're talking the Beatles. We're talking Rolling Stones. You want to talk about like, like iconic, what was going on and floating around. He was the most famous of all of them though. Like, like if you, and, and I say that because you put the Beatles in certain markets and people may or may not be into him, you dropped Ali anywhere and they all knew who Ali was. He fought Foreman in the middle of Africa where they had, I don't know what they were going on in there, but they all knew Ali. Exactly. And they sold out like they could sell 50,000 people would show up. Understand, he could drop them in the middle of China. People like, that's fucking Muhammad Ali. Yeah. He would walk down the street and a parade would go on behind him. Understand, and he did, believe me, he he went all over the, he defended his title all over the world, even in markets where like, that's not the greatest market. Ali's like, I'll sell it out. And I'm, these people need to hear me. Like this is this is, and that's where I'm talking. Not just the greatest, but like if Pelly was the guy that took it to another level, and you know that's what we're talking here. Mm-hmm. I don't know if people like, I don't think soccer players. Pardon me, excuse me, football. But depending on where you're at in the world, are going to get enough love in terms of this conversation because they're not North American. I would rebook and say, but do we have game changers like that that came along yet? Change the way we thought. Change the way we saw soccer, football. Maybe. I'm I'm a little ignorant to it. That's more your sport. Right, right. I don't know if Pele was involved in in Brazil's making movements and people like change the way people. He might, he might change. Like Brazil's Brazil's had its trials too. Maybe he took Brazil to another level, or maybe he toured around talking and whatever, or impacted the way we saw soccer. Impacted whatever, right? Maybe yeah. he did. I yeah. Literally speaking, when did he come around? Pele. Oh my goodness, I am bad with my. Was history. he sixty seventies? It was. I am so bad with my history. It was in that time. Though. Was... If he's he's a black man in the 60s, 70s, that's civil rights era style. 70s, not as much. We're a little bit on the other side of. I don't know. Maybe he, maybe he was involved. Like, I'm ignorant to his story and, and that sport. So, I, I, so I'm going to say that right now because some people listening be like, are you fucking kidding me? You know what he did? <laughs> I'm saying I don't know everything because we're talking all sports. I can't be an expert in all of them. Um, but maybe he did. Timing is everything, and that's not somebody's fault. Right. You know, if... Like like I'm saying, if Ali came around now, his impact would be a million times less. He came around when Obama was president. It's we don't need him as much. Mm-hmm. If he came around when we really needed him and he was there, you become more important. Exactly. It's just the way it is, right? Yeah, so it's not 100%. so. Um, 
And there's a couple others I just want to, because I just love these kind of debates. Yeah. Uh, and everybody's like, man, people were messaging me and I loved it. People got in. People went in on this one. Um, Pelly, uh, Tiger Woods was one. Um, people were talking. Oh, Bo Jackson, of course. And, uh, oh, in terms of women's, people are like, ah, not a, lot, a whole lot of women get tossed out there. I, the only reason why is... What about the, in tennis, the, the Williams sisters? They revolutionized. So, right. And, and that's where I would say... So in terms of professional sports, um, like women's NBA, women's hockey, they're not really supported. And in terms of impact, it's hard when people aren't supporting it to make a huge impact. Um, so that's just why there. But in terms of tennis, bet your ass tennis is big. It's global. Yeah. And, and the Williams sisters... Are they not? Am I making something from Compton? Are they? Did I make that? Can you check before so yeah, I don't totally make up. up their story? <laughs> Can you just put Williams sisters or whatever the fuck, Serena yeah. Williams? Let's find out their hometown here. Hope I didn't just totally just make that up. Let's see. Williams. Serena Williams, click on this. It'll say. It'll say where she's from. Residence, not residence, born. Oh, she's from Michigan. Saginaw, Michigan. Okay, so not Compton. Not even. Wait, did they grow up there? Or did I totally just fucking make a goddamn story? You you might have here. Let me see early life. Hang on, I've done a lot of this early life. So Michigan, youngest sister, five half-sisters. Uh, that's a lot of sisters. Tennis, when children, young, family. Moved to Compton, California. Okay, there you go. Straight there out of Compton. Go. Listen, my man. So, I'm glad that was... <laughs> you put yourself out there just totally make up someone's <laughs> background. Um, but, yeah, listen. If you would say before the Williams sisters came in, two black women from Compton are going to be this top... Like in the 70s, for instance. They're going to revolutionize tennis. You, you don't go to Compton to find yourself the number one tennis player. A woman. Mm-hmm. who's going to change how we saw tennis. How many people would be like, if I told you, like in the 70s, before they're coming around, um, I want you to find me the best tennis player in the world. You're not going to the streets of Compton. You know what I'm saying? Like, right, you, you're, right. you're like, that, like you don't see it. Game exactly. changer. Game changer. And the way they dress, like uh, I've seen this from William's sisters, some of, their, some of the attire they're wearing, like, yeah, oh, they change. Yeah. Game changer, my man. Game changer. That, that is it. You a know? lot of people would comment that and they'd just be like, you know what? You shouldn't be worried about what so, I'm dressing. Worry about how I play. <laughs> yeah. Or, fuck it. This is how I want to dress. Well, yeah. you're doing it to stand out. Maybe I am. So? Maybe I got something to say. Maybe I want to stand Like, whatever it is. It was, and even the way they're built. Mm-hmm. They're jacked. Yeah. Um, and some people thought, like, you can't be too big, too muscled on, too... It throws it out the window. Game changer. Like, how we think about tennis players now. How women's tennis player would be structured. Because they're like they're they're thick and um, unabashedly, and they're the best. Mm-hmm. And you think like you know, there's like that stigma if you're too big, you're not mobile or whatever. In this sport, it doesn't work. Well, they made it work. Just on so many levels, they changed that, right? And the dominance, and they have. So how good were they? Well, they're the best of the best of the best, right? So yes, I would say they're up there. Culturally impactful, like to an extent, maybe not. Can't be Ali, but again, changes breaking down stereotypes. Mm-hmm. Um, so well, I would say for just. Women in general. In women athletics, in general? Yeah. Women in general. In opening up a market, people started playing tennis. When they see Tiger Woods, you throw on there, and he's not just some fucking old white guy. It's cool to play tennis or uh, golf. 
Same with probably the Williams sisters. Some people who weren't into golf now might start open up into golf. How many people in like Compton would give a shit about Wimbledon? Mm-hmm. You get your ass beat if you brought it up. Hey guys, you see the Wimbledon match? Like, get the fuck out of here. Whereas now, probably cool as shit. Opens up markets. Wayne Gretzky did that opening up markets, etc. too, when he came down to the US. Um, and then there's one more. Oh, Usain Bolt. Mm. Now Usain Bolt took 100 meter sprinting, and I know he did 200 meter, but just let's just say track. To a whole nother level across the world. Everybody knew who Usain Bolt was across the world. He's the fastest man in the world. You might, if you're, depending on where you're from, not give a shit about hockey. Not give a shit about soccer or football. Like people are saying, I don't think it's going to get enough love in North America because people don't follow the sport. Ali, it didn't matter where you were. You understood what the fist fight was. And he was the baddest man in the world. And it was, he could be dropped anywhere. And you respected that. When you're the fastest man in the world, Usain Bolt, it crosses cultures, language. I don't need to know the rules of the sport. You're fucking running and you're faster. And you're the fastest who's ever done it. Mm-hmm. Usain, but not only was he the most dominant we've ever seen in the sport, when he's on the starting line doing the DJ me, you know, you know, like mimicking a DJ or doing, he changed the sport. Now guys started copying him. Yeah. When they're on the starting line and he'd do his thing for the camera and the crowd went nuts, or he'd go the shh, put his finger to his lips and tell everybody shh. People started mimic. He changed or the game. Or just like his classic, the jabbing yeah, celebration it, that became his, huge. The bolt dap <laughs> became, it, he was iconic. Yeah. He changed, he turned it into a rock star. Yeah. You know, he like just the symbol of that. He was a game changer. Bolt was a game changer, I think, surpassing a lot of the guys we just mentioned. Not Ali, because whatever. But what he did for the sport, how we view those guys, and how... And then, okay, you could do all that. But in terms of, again, impact, though, because 100 meters is basically, like, that's the track event everyone wants to that's watch. That's a rock star track So, like, event. before, like, Donovan Bailey. Like, anyone who wins the 100 meters becomes instantly huge. So, like, in terms of, like... Impact is what we're saying. Like, what impact did he actually bring to track the overall? Yeah. You want to talk that? Well, if I drop Donovan Bailey anywhere in the world, do they know who he is? Or if I drop Carl Lewis? Or I, I feel up- at the time, yes. Everyone knew Donovan Bailey at the Not time. like Bolt. Not like Bolt. Well, because everything what we just said with his dap, with his pre-game fucking around, like, he became... Look at people who... Like, yeah, you, you, Donovan Bailey, Carl Lewis, they were famous. But in terms of... The charisma Bolt brought, like people who didn't follow Olympics at all, you dropped the Bolt dap and had seen it and knew what the hell was going on. You're referencing people in terms of game changer. We had never seen a six or five sprinter. We thought you couldn't unravel in time in 10 seconds to meet, meet your, your max speed. So when he wanted to go in a hundred meter, because I was a rock star division, everyone's saying do 200 meter, do 200 meter. No, mm-hmm. the coaches, he goes, I'm going a hundred meter. He changed how we, you know, like change how we view uh sprinter. So now it's like physically, I'm not supposed to be able to do what I'm doing. And I did anyways. That's true. That's and I true. do think he, he smashed all the records. Um, nobody did what he did in terms of Carl Lewis, uh, Donovan Bailey, and I love Donovan Bailey. Don't get me started. We'll, we'll talk about it off because I'll, I'll, I'll ramble. <laughs> but um, he, in terms of what he did record-wise, in terms of how many medals he won, etc., no one came close to Bolt. But in terms of charismatic, his reach, how many documentaries have you seen on Donovan Bailey or Carl Lewis? How many are out there? How many are out there on Bolt? There's a reason. 
Enough said, right? <laughs> Enough said, right? How many times, if, if you were going to book Carlos or Donovan Bailey for a speaking engagement, you might bring around the money. Try booking Bolt. You can't afford it. Bolt, Bolt became, look, Donovan Bailey, is he getting invited to Hollywood parties and Carlos? Bolt fucking could show up at any Hollywood party. Any, you drop him anywhere. He, yes, those guys are famous. Bolt took it to another level of, of fame and stardom and like what he did for, and because of that, this isn't just who got more famous. Because right. of that, his sport, when people know who the champion of your sport is, your sport gets elevated to another That's level. That's true. Before he, before he won and but after he like won. But I also still need to give Bolt more time because he's also, like, he's still kind of now. Like, he's still... No, he's retired. He's he, done. True, but he's I mean, done. it was more recent. He's far enough away. Like, he, I don't know. I, I, think, I think Bolt is way up there for me. The only thing I don't know, and I'm not saying he didn't, is impact culture beyond the sport i think yeah. what he did for the sport he made it it was always a rock star i, yeah. I agree 100 that's, meters was that's, always a rock that's star. the point i'm trying to make 100 meters is always of, a rock star yeah. i think it's even more so though right it, it, look if, if if your sport was always a rock star sport you can't say that the other anyone after you can't have elevated it beyond okay it was always a rock star i think it became even people who didn't give a shit before those started so if you're watching olympics you probably can't wait for the 100 meter I think he made people watch who didn't even give a shit about the Olympics. How about that? Hmm. What do you think about that? I think he made people start giving a shit who were like, I may or may not tune in. But I feel built- media makes everyone care about the 100 meter finals. Like I th- that, I think, the winner I think, of that's always everyone. I think he made that easier. Okay. I think he's charismatic. If we're talking charisma, I read his autobiography. Again, phenomenal. I think he was that guy, man. I honestly do. I don't think there's anybody before him that was as charismatic with everything he did on the starting line and the fucking crowd ate it up. 40,000 people and he's doing all those faces or whatever the shit to afterwards adapt to everything. Nobody had that. Who was, who was the sprinter? I'm terrible with names. So it was in when Germany was hosting the... Oh shit. Okay. You might... Because this this is overall impact. Clyde Owens? Was it? Was it Owens? Throw Owens sprinter in there. Yeah. Because this was at a time where, like, Germans, the Aryan race... You're right, it's the like, Nazi Olympics. They called the Nazi exactly, Olympics. Exactly, like... Um, Hitler looked down on him, and he came and won it. Like, Jesse, yeah. Owens. Jesse, Jesse Owens. Jesse Owens, yes. All right, you know what? Fuck me, you might have just done it, didn't yeah. you? Yeah, because that is cultural impact. That was huge. He might have... Maybe it's Jesse Owens. I'd say for track sprinters, Jesse Owens. Son of a bitch. Did you just upstage me? I just Son did. of a bitch, I think you did. All right. You know what? Maybe it's Jesse Owens. Um, not more than Ali. And by the way, Jesse Owens had, to, I don't think, I think he had a fallout with Ali over the Vietnam situation. Mm. Um, you know, later on because, uh, but anyways, yeah. Jesse Owens, culturally significant, like yeah. for a sport. Don't get me for, wrong though. I do love, like, I'm not, I'm not trying to say I don't love, I don't Bolt. love Bolt, obviously. Like, I think he's great. Phenomenal. He even made a little like stint trying to go pro in soccer, which I love because I'm a soccer guy. But, but Jesse Owens may be impactfully. Yeah. You might be right. You might be right, sir. Under the circumstances, you did it. Well, well played, sir. <laughs> I think I think we're still Ali. Yeah. I. I but number two, Ali. Number two's tough. Number two is. I'm tough. not. I'm not 100 saying he's bigger than Bolt. I think Bolt lasts longer, etc. But Jesse Owens, yeah, that's pretty wild. If because Hitler hosted the 1936 Olympics and Jesse Owens went there and totally destroyed his superior Aryan race bullshit. Um, and he does in terms of how many documentaries and shit like he's got tons on him however later in life Owens wasn't as proactive with it 
Like he, he, when Ali was doing his thing, he didn't support him and stuff like that. So he lost a little steam afterwards. Right. Now, see, I guess second's hard, but I'm going to be a little bit biased. So I'm just, I, when you're talking about this, I was trying to find the, the war it was. So I looked, looked this up right now. In 1969, Pele actually was one of the biggest contributors to stopping one of Africa's bloodiest civil wars through people wanting to watch them play. So they had a three-day ceasefire so that the, the game could basically go on without anyone getting hurt. That's pretty huge as well. You want to talk about, so this is what I'm saying. Your impact, how impactful were you to your sport and the rest of the world? When you played, you literally had people put down their guns and stop fighting. Yeah, that's huge. Tell me when Messi did that. Never. Enough. Enough said. Neither Ronaldo. So like, Enough said. That's huge. And we don't know stuff like that because he's a previous generation, but there you go. Yeah. That's, was, that's was, it. Yeah, when you're talking about soccer, I had that blank look on my face. I was trying to remember this band. I'm like, no, I just have to look it up. Well, it's all, <laughs> yeah, exactly. But then, then that would be it. When you have that kind of when you have that kind of pull that you show up and there's a ceasefire and people stop dying, that's it, bro. Mm-hmm. That, that's exact. That's that's it. That's what we're talking about. Yeah. Um, yeah. I love those kind of discussions, sports talk. But anyways, got a half hour intro. Uh, with no further ado, let's get our boy Screamer Manuel on and uh, and let's get it. Let's get started. Okay, let's go. Buddy. Okay, buddy. So. It's been a minute since we talked. I think the last time we talked was uh, 2017. Was it after the Battle of the... Was it after IPF Worlds 2017? It probably will have been, yeah. I mean, it has been a, it has been a bit. Yeah, it was right before I moved home. And um, at the time, I remember your podcast dropped. And um, a lot of people... We're taken back because you completely opened up and were entirely honest. You spoke about, um, you know, battling anxiety, depression, and all the behind the scenes that people didn't know. And just seeing you on the platform, you were already, you already stood out. Like you, you, uh, for anyone listening who might be new to the sport coming in, if you hadn't seen Screamer, I mean, you you hit the platform and you lived up to your name. Like you were, I knew you were coming on. <laughs> I, I knew you were coming onto the platform because I'd, I'd be the commentary and be like, "Who's coming up next?" And I would hear, and I'm like, "Oh shit!" <laughs> and you look, and on the side is you about to come on, like you were about to get in a fist fight with the weights. Um, and you like quickly became like, that, "Yeah," I was like, "That dude's one of my favorite lifters right off the bat." And um, so. It's, <laughs> extremely entertaining and then uh so so i was like we have to get you on you had broken um the ipf world record total um did you take the squat record as well yeah so you you were smashing world records and um and we're in the 2017 worlds the probably the most anticipated uh showdown was the 105s you were in the battle of the 105 so you that was like a phenomenal show as well so we were like we got to get this guy on the podcast you came on the podcast, Screamer, and you straight up opened up, and you were already one of the most colorful characters in powerlifting. Like, you stood out, and then you talked openly about, um, you know, battling depression, anxiety, and everything that goes into it, and uh, it was, fuck me, people, I got a lot of messages about that one, you know, like, a lot of people heard it, and it was, like, inspirational, motivational, but it was, like, I don't know, some people who didn't know your story they, they they were just taken back, right? And also how, how openly you talked about it. And um, 
So it's it's been a hot minute, but yeah, just reflecting back on that, man. Yeah, like it's just it's the only way I know how to be. Like I just I'm a really shit liar, so like there's no point in me trying to do it. I just like I'd rather just be honest and open about it, and I'd just rather I'd rather be hated for me being exactly who I am than to be liked for somebody who is just completely different. Like, I don't want to be what you expect. I just want to be me. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's probably easier. I know exactly what you mean. Because I think when I was younger, you, you walk into a room and you, you try to exactly that. Be, who do I have to be for everybody to like me? And it's harder to maintain yeah. that. It's hard to maintain that. It's actually stressful. It actually can create anxiety. Because you're, you're, they don't actually like you for you. So you're, you're, you're always unsure. Whereas um, if you're just yourself... Whoever naturally gravitates towards you, you know they're there. And you don't have to put up a front. You could let down your guard. And it often shows, too. Yeah, like if you have someone trying to, be, trying to be like other people, just trying to be someone who they're not, like, they look fake. You can tell. You, yeah, you know what? I um, it, it, That's 100%. I feel like sometimes when you're hanging around with people, you can tell when it's like, man, you're not just – it's hard for me to get – to know you because you can't, you're not letting your guard down. Makes you uncomfortable around those. It does. Sometimes. They're always the people are always trying to be cool. They're always thinking about what they're saying and how they're going to say it, like how they're saying it. Even it's like, are you just being you right now? Can we just shoot the shit and kick it, or are you going to constantly be <laughs> trying to be cool? You know? Yeah, I know what you mean. Like it's just I don't know. As I get older, I just really just give less of a shit about what people have to do think of me. Yeah. Like when we did, I kind of did, but. Like, I was kind of, like, probably more, like, I was at the very start of me starting to, like, not really give a shit. And now, two years in, I'm just like, yeah, I really don't give a fuck anymore. It, Some so, of the things I've said to people at work here in this yeah. <laughs> I just don't give a fuck, like. It's, it's, uh, so that was the beginning back in, like, 2007, so you started going down that trail? Yeah, I'm a completely different person since then. It's like, I'm still the same person I've caught. Like, but I don't know, I'm just, I'm a lot more confident in myself now and just like, I feel a lot less, like, I'm a lot less anxious, a lot less stressed, like, consistently all the time now and it's like, it's really nice that, like, I've went through all that now. Yeah. And, like, I was still the same person all the way through it, so, like, it's going to be interesting to see what it's, what, what's going to actually happen in the end when I stop fucking up all the time. What, what did you think was like the you're you maturing into this individual you are now like what do you what do you think the catalyst was or was it just a process and you're just finding yourself because you you stepped away from powerlifting and just start pursuing other it goals. Was, that. Oh. was it really wow it was that, basically. yeah like i don't know like it's going be so fun of it anymore like just every year same old shit then I get towards like I get towards the world championships, and I just be coming into form then because I've had three months off over the winter because I was pressed as fuck. So I was always playing catch up. So I was going up like ten k total, whatever, every year. And it's just like I just knew that like I couldn't keep doing that. I was going to start going backwards too. So I just thought, fuck it, I'm not going to win it next year. Like I just know I'm not going to win it next year. So let's just not train for it. Let's just do something else. Mm. So, like, I started doing martial arts, and, like, that sort of, like, 
I would say between me not doing powerlifting and starting martial arts is like the start of everything for me. Where like just you constantly like you're using your brain all the time. Like I wasn't using my brain in powerlifting. Like I was like at such a level of like like this is gonna sound fucking arrogant. A level of technical mastery that I don't need to think about it. Yeah. Just like I'm on autopilot, all my systems are engaged, I know exactly what's doing it, what I'm doing all the time, because I've done it for thousands of reps. So I can switch off, do me set, put it back. And like it's not like this like so I'm not I'm not tapping into areas of the brain that I'm like the type of areas of the brain that aren't getting tapped into from me just doing that all the time. Yeah. But in jujitsu, when I start doing jujitsu, like different people are gonna present different problems. So you've got to think different ways on how we problem solve all the time. Yeah. So then, that's the start then. Also as well, like, I was, I was just fucking terrified of shit like that. Like, I don't like physical confrontation. I never have. I've always been the last one to avoid it. been the first one to avoid it and walk away. So like, constantly being in a situation where it, it was controlled, obviously, and the lads are all fucking spot on. They've never hurt you deliberately. But it's still scary as fuck going in there. And like, with me being a five foot six fucking heavyweight, I'm going in with some absolute monster stuff all the time and like I didn't even think about that I I didn't even think about that yeah you'd be like dude this guy's oh no yeah I'm a it's heavyweight man you know what Um, yeah it's just shit like that like just always it's it's funny like martial arts what are we going to say about uh, it's funny, like martial arts, uh, and you did like, um, yeah, did wrestling. I do some jujitsu, and it's funny how you said, and it's true, it's controlled. It's not a confrontation in terms of, like dramatic confrontation, but when you're going to roll, there's that weird little feeling in your stomach, like you could be talking to someone, you're going over technique, and you know at the end of the class, you pair off with a guy, and then you go round for round, and you just start scrapping it out it's it's no punch and it's grappling but it's a weird right when the teacher says all right i'm setting the clock five minutes start rolling and you look over at the guy and you're like i guess we're gonna start rolling and it is a weird nothing no other time in society is like i'm gonna go at you you're gonna go at me you're gonna try to choke me i'm gonna try to arm bar like it's a fucking weird i know what you mean and you when you first start that when you first start that putting that in your head it's kind of weird. You get used to it, but there's something about that, isn't it? Where confrontation becomes less scary a little bit, if if no other reason, because you're in that element day after day, and it's it does it, it helps put things in perspective to you. I, I would say. What do you think? It's mad, right? Honestly, because like like little stuff, like you know, like when you've got people who are just like talking in the picture, like when you're when you're at the cinema, people are talking really loud on the fucking about in front of you yeah like I would never say anything and then just this one day we're in the pictures we went, went to see Brightburn and then we were in the we were in the back row I was sat next to this girl and then there was like six or seven teenagers like 15 16 17 year olds right in the row in front of us and like something happened at the start of the film and they all started giggling and like making little jokes in, in amongst themselves it went on for about 20 seconds and I just went yeah don't think you're doing this during the film, like, shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, get it out now, fellas. Half, 
out of nowhere. It just happened. I just couldn't believe I did it. <laughs> and then a girl left us. I thought you said that. I wasn't going to say anything. <laughs> no shit. Oh, man. I, oh, it, it was funny. Like, I, just, I couldn't believe that i just done that. Like, I, I would never do that like three, four years ago. I just let it happen. It's, um, I feel like if you're in the position where you're constantly in these... Like, you know, we are saying confrontations. Like, if you're doing, like, martial arts, jujitsu, whatever, it's not necessarily a confrontation, but you're constantly scrapping out with people all the time, different people rotating within class. The thought of it in life isn't that scary because you do every every fucking day. And it becomes less and less the mystique of it. If you don't get in a scrap in your day-to-day, some people can go years without ever in a physical confrontation with another grown man. So the mystique of it's now gone, and the mystery of it is now gone because you do it on the regular. However, on the so there's not as much fear of it. However, sometimes on the flip side, you don't give a shit to, to um, defend. You know, sometimes it's easier if somebody's running their mouth and you know they have no idea. They're not doing that. They probably yeah. haven't been in a physical scrap in years. So it's a lot easier as well to be like, dude, you know, whatever you're trying to prove, you don't have to prove as much either. It's also on that end too. You're not afraid, but you're also not looking to, to prove anything because you don't give a shit anymore, right? That also is a thing. It's, it's nice knowing that like if anything does happen, you've got a bad chance of like defending yourself. Yeah. It's nice. Uh, yeah. That's like, that's, just, that's like, that's as far as I want it to ever become a part of my actual life. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, in my everyday life, that's as far as I want it to ever get. Like, to know that if something does happen, it's nice to know that I've got a good chance of being able to defend myself. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a lot like powerlifting where, if, if you can compare, um, if you're a middle-of-the-pack powerlifter you're probably stronger than 99% of the world. Because when you walk the street, you pull a guy off the street and be like, let me see how much you can squat or deadlift. It's going to be really fucking bad. Whereas, like, it's going to be embarrassingly bad. So if you're just a middle pack powerlifter, you're better than 99% of the world. Same thing with, if you take, if you wrestle, jujitsu, box, kickbox, you're probably going to be okay against 99% of the world. So it's exactly that where you realize when you're walking around, you're... 99% 99% of the situations you'll enter in, you're actually not in danger if all things on the up and up. And that's, and, and here's another thing that I found with martial arts. And, um, and I think you were kind of leading in that direction as well. When you're comparing powerlifting to the martial arts, you in powerlifting can reach a level of technical proficiency because there's only so much technical work you can do on it. Whereas something like jujitsu, let's say it is, it is like, I, I, a buddy of mine who's a black belt. I'm a fortunate. He gives me privates one-on-ones. He's a black belt. Um, Jordan Short, if he's listening. But he said, look, I'm a black belt and I could study until the day I die. He's in his 30s. And I will never know everything. There's an ocean. Yeah. There's an ocean of, of knowledge that you have to learn and you will never cross that ocean. And there's, yeah, something, there's something daunting, but I like about that. You know? Oh, 100%. Like, it's class, like, like even if you really want to, like, go fucking ball deep with it as well, you can do that with powerlifting as well. Like, there's just shit about how to improve a squat that I just really can't be asked of taking the time, where, like, I just, I don't think it's going to, like, benefit me that much. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, 
For two and a half kilo. Yes. For two and a half kilo type deal, you mean? You could do. Yeah. <laughs> I know what you mean. Yeah. Like, I'd rather, I'd rather just double down and do, like, a couple extra reps every set to get that extra two and a half than like, try and fucking find some little contraption that's going to put me tall in a fucking optimal position to then fucking get me knee drive. But you know what I mean? I can't be off shit like that. So, you can go that far. Like, if you look at Bryce Lewis, some of his videos, and, like, I watched a talk on him on, like, how to get, like, the right squat, the right foot position for your hips and all that sort of stuff. I watched all that on uh, one of the EPC conferences. And it was really interesting. And I just, like, thought at the same time, I'd always just put my feet where they're comfortable. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, there's paralysis by analysis, and I think a lot of people do that with squatting and dead, benching and deadlifting. But in jiu-jitsu and other martial arts, like, how you manipulate something to the nth degree could have a huge impact on the actual performance side of things. Mm. So it's worth going that, that far into things in jiu-jitsu and martial arts. I just don't think it's worth it in powerlifting to do more reps. Yeah, I mean, it, it is true where, yeah, you could do like hours and hours of foot, hours and hours of research study. You could do all these extra things and not move your squat at all. It's not any, nothing's exactly. a given. You could do, and, and you, you can even roll back a little, whereas the difference if you're doing like grappling, jujitsu, any of those arts, if you learn a new submission, a new entry into submission, well, you just learned that. That's yours. Yeah. Uh, you know, no, you know. Learn that. You also learn the defense of it. Yeah, 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 exactly. So if someone else brings it to the table for you. It's not just, it's not just about developing things that are going to develop your attacking game because you might be susceptible to things defensively because of your because of your limbs, like your limb length, things like that. So then you need to learn the other side defensive. So there's far more benefit to it with the martial arts side of things, far more. I feel like um, as humans... One of the biggest things we need to be happy and content and satisfied is to feel like we're improving, to feel like we're heading somewhere, to feel like we have a goal. They say the number one killer, I remember I was talking to one of the guys, actually at the IPF media team, um, Richard Hayward, he's like like the top producer guy in the IPF media team, and he was, I was like, uh, we were in Sweden, I was like, man, I'm just, the one thing in my life I want to try to get put money away and start like looking ahead if you're going to retire down the road, etc. Because that's one thing I stress about. He's like, why do you stress about that? He goes, do you know the number one killer is in the world right now? And I was like, cancer? He goes, no, man. Retirement. Retirement. When you retire, you like, when you stop having a reason to get up, you stop having a reason to do things, that's like, yeah. it's, it's, it's tough. It is super tough. You need, you need something to strive for, to keep improving, to keep you know, goals and objectives. Um, and I think something like, like jujitsu, for instance, is mentally stimulating and, and uh, it, keeps you, it keeps you going motivated-wise because you'll never get to the end of it. You could do that for a lifetime. Yeah. You do it for five lifetimes. Never get to the end of it. Um, I, I remember uh, there's this one story about a guy. Uh, so everyone knows Helio Gracie. He's one of the founders of jujitsu. And... Um, the world champion, I think it's Soalo Robiero or whatever. At the time, he's like 25 years old, and he's a world champion. And he went to Helio Gracie. And this is what I love about like martial arts and stuff stories. Helio Gracie's about 80 years old at the time, and he was 25. And he's talking to Helio, and he, he's going to get to train with Helio. He's really excited. And Helio Gracie goes to him, um, you're good. You're really good. You're probably better at 25 than I was when I was 25. Um, but I don't think you could beat me. 
And the guy says, uh, you mean when you were 25? And Healy goes, no, right now. And the guy says, there's no, there's no fucking way I can't beat you. So they roll. So, so they roll. And Helio knew. He's like, Helio knew. He positioned it, the challenge in a way that I can't beat you. I can't tap you. But that wasn't the challenge. It's all on you to try to tap me. So all he had to do was just play defensive. And he just played defensive yeah. for a few minutes. Time ran out. And he's like, I told you, you couldn't tap me. That's a stalemate. That's a draw. And the guy's like, son of a bitch. He just couldn't. They, they, Helio just had to stay out of arm's way. And it's, um, that's something that's appealing to me as well. Where like, you could defend. You know, you could survive. There's something about survival as well it, written into that. That I like. And the knowledge base. That it'll never go away. You know, it just accumulates. Um, but, uh, so things like that help. In terms of comparison to powerlifting, anyways. Yeah, to build on that. I remember my last year of wrestling in high school. My coach was like, alright, Kathy, let's go. And he was, he's pretty old, but like, he he wrestled for a Team Canada in the Olympics, oh, actually. Shit. And so I was just like, alright, whatever. And within like, a couple minutes, I was on my back, pinned. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was just playing with me. Let's go, young man. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, there's something about when, like, technical mastery and knowledge can beat, like, uh, the physicality and athletic ability. And that's obviously something on powerlifting we're never going to have. And it's something cool to tap into knowing this is something I could do forever. Even when I'm so... Yeah. You know? I, I, I think you could powerlift forever. I really legitimately do. Like, I think, like... I don't think, I, it doesn't have the impact on your joints that people make it out to. I just think most of the people who have really shit joints just train stupidly. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Like, I honestly don't think, like, if, as long as, like, I think there would be certain things you would have to do within that time frame to make, to just to make sure you were able to do it safely all the way through. Like, you would have to be very self-aware and know when your time was up, pushing it really ridiculous hard and actually trying to win world champions and things like that, if you can be self-aware enough to know when you're on the decline and just accept it's going to happen, that's a very hard thing to do. But if you could do that and then sort of like bring your intensity down just to match the, yes. what you actually are capable of, I think you could safely bottom out of top-level strength. It, but I just thought it's just something that's not a very realistic thing to do for 99% of the population. I think, and that's one of the hardest things with powerlifting is, with a knowledge-based pursuit, um, whatever it is. We're, look, we're using jujitsu as an example. It could be anything, okay? With knowledge-based pers- pursuits, you could constantly get better. It doesn't matter with age because you're adding to that knowledge. Whereas with powerlifting, yeah. I think the tough thing is because you have a numerical value for what you're displaying. When you see the numbers start coming down and it doesn't matter – Father time gives a shit not how hard you're training. When you're 60, you're 60. The numbers are coming down. Um, I think that's the diff- There's been people I've had on here, John Hack, Brett Gibbs, whatever. And I'm like, what do you feel about like, like competing well into late age? And they might, some of them are like, I don't know, man. I don't know if I want to see my numbers start sliding down and I'm just going to get worse and worse yeah. as it goes. You have to almost just love the, the and I think we should anyways, um, but the, the journey of it, like this getting in the gym and feeling fatigued, that was a good squat session. I feel fatigued. I lay down in bed and be like, that was a good day. I feel, I feel drained. If you enjoy that feeling, cool. Don't attach it to the end goal. I need this number in that set. I need this yeah. number in the gym. Yeah. 
if that's where you're going for at a certain age, that's going to get smaller. You have to maybe rechange your goals, you know, what you're mm-hmm. shooting for. Like, that was one thing that I had to do when I took this time away. Like, I didn't lift away for like, what, six months? Oh, damn. I don't, think, I don't think I lifted away for six months. I just, the thought of lifting weights, I just couldn't be asked with it. Like, like, power, like, I was that fucked up by the end of powerlifting. Like, I just didn't want to look at weights anymore. Oh, wow. Like, I hated it. So then, I spent a lot of time doing MMA, Jiu-Jitsu, as you know. Um, but, then just like, I had a fight boot, and then I started lifting again. Just kind of taking advantage of any, any kind of advantage that I had, I wanted to double down on. And I knew that I knew how to lift. Yeah. So I just figured, fuck, I'll just start lifting again. And, like, I think I squatted, like, 180 for three and barely fucking got the third. Something like that. Holy moly! And you were the squat king at one point. So this is, that's humbling. Exactly. Yeah. So, like, and, like, if that happened to me three or four years ago, I'd have been, like, that would have, been, that would have absolutely fucking ruined us. Like, that would have been it. But then I just thought, yeah, I'm just not that guy anymore. And I just cracked on. Holy shit. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. It's it's insane to think. Um, like, it's it's just, it's such a turnaround to be, at one point, so into, knee deep into something. We're, this is powerlifting, but for, for anyone, anything. And then just at one point be like, I can't even bring myself to get into that gym. I don't want to see it. And then when you start lifting, um, to be like, I'm just, you, the realization of, I'm just not that guy anymore. Like, that's, that's a, that's, and you were that guy for years. Years. Yeah. Well, do you know what? I like, I, I like not being that guy. No kidding. Like, I kind of resent it a little bit. Where, like, I'm just, I'm more than training. Do you know what I mean? And kind of, like, that's all anybody wants to talk to me about. And it's like, I'm just such a more interesting person than just the gym. Do you know what I mean? Like, I'd love to just have a conversation with you about whatever. Yeah. But, people just don't care about that. They just, like, just want to talk about listening. They just want to know what you can, they just want to know what you can tell them. And then that's it. I've had loads of I've had loads of situations in the gym where people have been nice to me. I've spent like ten minutes giving them some advice, and then the next day just walk straight past me, don't even say hello. Oh, and it's like, you know what? Fuck this shit. I can't be asking people like that anymore. But like, I'm, just, I'm kind of realizing a lot through. So like, for an example, when I went when I moved back home two years ago, I've been telling people the exact same advice what I'm telling them now. It's only that I'm getting into this shape that people are actually paying attention now. Hmm. So it's like, it's very, very kind of like just, and like it didn't matter like, that I had world records in the past. It doesn't matter that I got a degree. It doesn't matter that I got a first in that degree. And if I'm giving advice to people, if I don't have abs, it's people are going to take it. Hmm. And it's just like, i so close-minded with it. And I don't mean to sound horrible because it's just, it's just human nature. It just, it just 100% is human nature. Like, you could, you could guess, you, you could be taught something from somebody who taught Lionel Messi at fucking, you know, you guys know Messi, right? Yeah. 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 Soccer player, football, for people listening. Yeah. Uh, like, one of the best in the world. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
We can still see you, Screamer. Check out the fucking bicep try on this guy right now. Okay, we just lost him for a second. Um, but it's interesting, man, him saying this because he was knee-deep in powerlifting. Yeah. He was the fucking, the man in it, uh, breaking world records and everything. And uh, for him to be like, I'm just not that guy no more. He yeah, went I just in, need something more stimulating. 185, <laughs> I think he was saying, for a triple. That's 407 pounds. Right. And he couldn't triple it and failed on his third, he was saying. And to be like... That's crazy going oh, from well, someone who broke the world record. Like he was... Man, it... it, it it's it, it an absolute beast, an absolute unit. Mm-hmm. And for him to be like, uh, yeah, man, I'm, I don't give a shit. I don't, I don't, it, it didn't even phase him. Mm-hmm. For him to try a triple at a weight that would be like, you know, people are bench pressing. Uh, and he'd be like, meh, That's whatever. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's that quickly. It's, um, we'll, we'll give him another ring. Well, well I'll actually, we'll let him call us. But uh, it is eye-opening, man. Like the transition that people can have. Um, I want to get his idea on like, it's true that you can also attach yourself to, I am. And I think we have him back. Hey, buddy, can you see us? We can see you. But we cannot hear you. Okay, I think. There we go. Can you hear us, buddy? I can hear you. Okay. We can see you and yeah. hear you. I think what happens is right. if, if there's a lot of movement in front of the camera, it buffers. So if I wave my hand in front of my face like this a lot, it'll start buffering and slowing down. I can't even see you. Yeah. It's just up to a again. Ah, we can see you. It'll probably jump in in a second. Okay. Uh, I'm assuming because... Our video's on and we can see you. Can you see us yet? Should we start talking? Nah, there's no movement there, like. Uh, right. I remember what I was saying this before. Okay, good. Do you, you do remember or you don't remember? No, no, I remember. What, what was the last thing you heard? Um, what, what were we saying? You were just talking about what was it? Shit, because we kept so talking. You, so this, what, what, what I was about to say, but I don't know if this is the bit. This is the bit where it cut out. So you, could, you, you guys know who Lionel Messi is, right? Yeah. Oh yes, yeah. okay, yeah. yes, yeah. Football. Yeah. So ninety-nine percent of people would want to be told something by him. Most people, if you heard, like there was a coach who was gonna who was gonna come available for you. To coach you for nothing. He was the guy who taught him from ages 11 to 13. You'd be like, who gives a fuck? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But the guy who taught him in his developmental years, a lot of the stuff that he'll still be doing. Jewish, but you wouldn't think that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Whereas you, yeah. The abs are basically that. Yeah. If yep. you've got abs, you can give out shit information and people are going to listen to you. <laughs> mm. Yeah. Or you can be like me and be a fucking meatball giving out good information, but because you're a meatball, people don't give a fuck. As soon as you get abs and you give them the same information, then they're not paying attention. 
Yeah, you see that all the time with social media influencers. And that's now. one of the big things with the fitness world. That's yeah. why, like, social media and the fitness world are so hand-in-hand. Hand. Like, people wonder why everyone in fitness has these massive social media platforms or massive social media, like, you have to be on there. Because that's how your business is directly related to your image. So if someone goes online, if you could have, like, be such a, a, a fitness guru, whatever avenue it is, if you don't have a social media presence, you're... You're, in terms of business, it's terrible. You have to have a social media presence because they want to see you. They want to see your abs. They want to see the selfies. They want to see you smashing weights in the gym with the shirt off and looking like a tank. And then people are all over you. Um, yeah, 100%. Like, I kind of just accept that that's the way that I have to be. Like, I don't like that I have to be that way to get traffic and to try and get clients and stuff like that. But fuck, if I've got to do it, I'm going to do it. I'm going to swim into the fuck and I'm going to swim right into it now. Yeah. I'm quite happy telling you now. I'm happy to sell out. Not off in the not off one bit. Well, well, it's also it's kind of if that's the market, if that's the business formula, you know, model that you have to be. It's kind of like having a product and be like, I'm not going to advertise my product and do no marketing. It's like, well, because I don't like it. Well, you have to. Mm-hmm. It's that's just the way it is. I've got a nice middle ground. I've got a nice little middle ground now, right? Because I'm posting some fucking thirsty pictures. <laughs> 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 but it's also cool if people are kind of like self-aware enough to read into and kind of look into and really sort of like dissect what I am saying there's elements of each of my captions that you can take and take it into your life and it'll benefit you mm-hmm. so I please the ones who just want to see the fucking nipples and the abs but I also please the ones who actually want to get something from it and like like I just basically as, as long as I can continue to put out good information, I'm happy selling out because the more people that get good information, the better off everyone's going to be because we're fucked. Like, obesity is at an all-time high, all that bullshit. And it's because social media and people just, like, people just focus and fixate on the wrong thing. Like, I don't give a fuck how much better shape I'm in right now. I care more about the, all the mental habits and all the le- all the life lessons that I've learned along the way. That's what's been like one of the most important things about this to me. Like I've got mint abs right now, but I don't want to have them in eight weeks. So I want to start putting some proper size back on. Like I've got to get back to ten to fifteen percent body fat. Mm, most yeah. people want to, like most people would want to get this lean and stay this lean. I'm telling you now, it's not fucking worth it. Yeah, you, it's not you, worth it. You were t- I, sorry, you're going to say something. I was saying, like, I wouldn't even call it selling out. Like, what you're doing is, like, you're giving out good information, and then you want people to consume that information. So you're saying, I need this body image so people pay attention. But on the other end of the spectrum, you have people who are like, I look good. I want to make money. So I'm just going to sell whatever because yeah. I can. So I it's think, just, like, yours is, it's it's more positive than, like, just the general, like, It's just the packaging. There. You're just yeah. recognizing, you're recognizing, here's my product. How do I package it? And you need to have a, a sellable package so so that people buy the product. So mm-hmm. it's it's a little different as opposed to some people just post it up there. Sorry, nothing. sorry, sorry. I'm just fucking grinning at sellable package. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's, now that's a thirsty post, my friend. It's a sellable package. <laughs> right. You can't see shit like that without warning this man. Fucking hell. No, that's a sellout. Oh, if you man. if you if you're posting your package, <laughs> <laughs> no, that's a thirsty post, my friend. But uh, but there is 
There is, you're, put it this way, you're not an Instagram girl showing a picture of her ass and then doing a cheesy motivational quote she took off Google. You know what I'm saying? Where it has nothing to do with her oh, picture. That stuff. Oh, that's different. So yeah, that's different. It'd be different if you just showed a picture of you with your shirt off and be like, killing it on Monday. Monday feels, yeah. and it's like, what the fuck does that guy do? This guy's just showing off his package. Uh, you know what I mean? Like, it's, but, you know, but, uh, like, I just, I don't buy any of it, man. I don't buy any of it. Like, you know, like, when they're like, oh, just, just did some squats today. Happy hump day. What's your favorite leg exercise? Yeah. Like, they give a fuck what your favorite leg exercise is. what I mean, man. Yeah. Oh, oh my God. Yeah. What's your post-workout meal? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it is true. Where I know what you mean. You're, they're playing the game, and it's obvious they're playing the game, and it's not sincere. They don't give a shit what your favorite post-workout meal is. They, they, it's all. Uh, it feels contrived. I don't like following those accounts. Um, I don't necessarily begrudge. Oh, we fit as fuck. Like it's it's what's that? Sorry. Because they're always hot. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's tough, man. It's uh, you were also saying in there that um, how difficult it is to maintain this low body fat and everything. Let's talk a little bit about this transition. Let's talk about because when we saw you in powerlifting as a one hundred and five er and your transition now, like, dude, you look full full through and through. If anyone was skeptical, like, well, what's he going to look like when he hits the stage? Dude, you look absolutely jacked and ripped right now. Like, you were, you were unrecognizable. Your body is straight up a bodybuilder. Mate, let me tell you this now. I swear to God, I didn't, I didn't expect to look like this. And I, I know that sounds, like, arrogant. But, like, I did not realize how good my body was. Like, I didn't think I'd have that kind of symmetry. Like, I knew I had size. I didn't think I'd have, like, a 30-inch waist right now, but I have. And just, like, I'm pretty symmetric. I just, it's mad, like, but I've always trained well, though. Like, if you think about in terms of having a good physique, I think powerlifting is the best base you can have in terms of a strength sport. Mm-hmm. If you, right, from the very start, like I did, like, my first coach, Mick Connum, he was, like, an ex-European, ex-European um, world record holder. European champion, I think, as well, like, world record squat, like, and he just, my technique was, like, very good from the very start, in terms of how deep you go, pushing knees out, all that, so, like, everything was pretty spot on from the very start, so, like, I've got nice muscle, I've got, genetically, I must have very nice, like, attachments, like, to go in, in the right places, to look aesthetic, but, because I've always trained, so you need. I'm mm-hmm. all. I just just be always loaded under like their maximal length. Always. Mm-hmm. Whereas you, most people who start off squatting, if they're not powerlifting, they're doing half reps. Yeah. So they're through that full range of motion. Whereas every single squat I've done has been through that full range of motion. Every bench I've done has been to the chest. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? It's just like you can't. You can't match that level of development. The only way to get tracks that look like they can pull 300 kilos is to be able to pull 300 kilos. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's, it's you saying this, 
Um, and it's just not you to back it up. Ronnie Coleman said the best base for bodybuilding is powerlifting. And he was a powerlifter competitively. Arnold Schwarzenegger said the same thing. He said the power lifts build the base. All the other assistance work, isolation work, sculpts the base so you get a little more fine-tuning. These are like the best of the best. Those are the biggest and the best of the best bodybuilders saying, start off doing the power lifts and build your foundation. And that's that's where you're going to grow your symmetry and the size and everything. Yes, it's, it's absolutely insane. And like, the training isn't really that much different. It is right now because I'm just on low calories. Well, relatively low anyway. Like, still... They're still higher than what most people are eating every day, but the low compared to what I what I like. Mm-hmm. Like I'm thousand seven hundred calories right now, so like I've had to drop how much heavy work I can do, just because it's hard to just stay. It's hard to stay stable. The workouts are getting harder. Like you don't have the same pop. Like you fatigue quicker into the set, things like that. So yeah. how many calories did you say you're on? 2,700. 2,700. Yeah, that's not crazy low. You know no, what? Yeah. Probably not going to know that either. That, dude, you, I, I'm going to post pictures of this, by the way, for anyone listening. Um, go to the King of, when you, by the time you hear this, the pictures will be up on King of this Instagram. But you look, I would have thought you were eating way less. That's, I mean, that's not a shitload, but it's not that small either. Nope. And, and what's, like, it's, it's a nice amount of food, but like, it's fine. Yeah. Oh, for sure, sustainable. And is it just your workload is high? Is your metabolism now completely conditioned? Because you can condition your metabolism. You, there's a few different factors. So I am doing a lot of activity, which is why I said it's not worth it. Yeah. Like, I don't want to have to walk around for two or three hours every day. I'm only living for about 30 minutes right now. So right now I'm doing, for the last two weeks, I've been doing stepper for 30 minutes four times a week, uh, well, three times the first week, four times last week, been walking around anywhere from an hour and a half, two and a half, three hours, an absolute push, but usually at around that two to two and a half hour mark. I've been doing that every day, and then lifting maybe like 30 minutes, 40 minutes max. Whoa. And what kind of li- what lifting would you be doing? Um, Single body parts, so... I do, to be, to be perfectly honest with you, I'm kind of winging this whole thing. Like, whatever isn't so, I'll go and train. So, I kind of try and train everything every three or four days and kind of like on a, on a similar kind of cycle. Now, when I get to the end of that cycle, if there's anything that's not that so, I'll throw it in for another day. When I feel like I need to rest, I'll take a day off, but I'll still walk and I'll still do my stepper on those. Mm-hmm. So, I kind of just go legs one day, press one day, pull another day, then I'll do like, I'll throw carbs in with all that, because you can do a couple of sets here and there on carbs, um, I'll do some extra delt work here and there, I just kind of just, like I say, I'm just kind of winging it, so I try and train everything every three or four days, anywhere from eight to twelve sets total of that whole thing, so I might do a couple of rear delts, so I'll give you a press session here, I'll do a couple of rear delt exercises, sorry, a couple of rear delt sets, then I'll do three or four of the same press. I'll do it the six. Then I'll do an accessory. I'll do one mega set there. Like, I'll do 10 reps, drop the load, 10 reps, drop the load, 10 reps. If I'm still feeling good, I'll do it again. Yeah, yeah. Brings up like seven sets. Then I'll throw in some medial delta two sets. And I'll just do three triceps and I'll get out. 
And is this even like, let's say two months ago, not when you're two, because right now you're two weeks out from your competition. When you're not quite as, as close to the comp, because I've seen you had, you would hit some, like some, you had a deadlift in there. I, I believe you pulled 300 kilo. Like you, you, you had I strength. You had strength still, and you were doing some like pulls and squats, like doing some power lifts. What was the training like then? And you had said previously at one point you didn't even want to look at weights. You didn't want to touch them for six months. And um, and then obviously to go back up to a three hundred kilo pull, and it was nice. Um, did you start? Did you start getting? Did you start enjoying getting in the gym again, moving moving some weights? Like what was what was going on at that point? Well, what actually happened? I was getting ready for that fight, as I said, and that's why I started lifting again. And then I was six weeks out from that fight, and I had a problem with my ribs. Like, I think I did something like the intercostal muscle. Like, it, it felt like a broken rib, but there was no bruising out like that. I didn't want to go to the hospital because unless you can, I'm not going to do anything for you. So, like, I just thought, fuck it, I'll just get through it. But I think it was, like, something to do with a cartilage or an intercostal muscle, something like that. Yeah, separate but I, I couldn't twist or anything like that, so like I had to stop lift. I had to stop. Um, I stopped training altogether for a few weeks just to give it a rest. But I couldn't get ready for that fight anymore. And I'm perfectly honest with you, I wasn't ready for that fight. I jumped into that way too soon because I'm a fucking idiot, and that's how I've always been. I'll just jump into things, then it sink or swim. And I'm too proud to admit at the time that I'm in too deep. Yeah. So I was just I was gotten through. And, like, I wasn't ready for that fight. I might have won it, but, like, I just, I wouldn't have enjoyed the experience. Yeah, yeah. And then, that injury happened, and I just thought, fuck it, I'm just not going to bother. Like, I'm just going to slowly not, like, go as much. Yeah. And then, like, I kind of just started lifting again just because I couldn't do anything else. I was lifting, I was running. And then just, like, I don't know, I just started enjoying lifting again. Started enjoying training again and, like, being active. So... When it got to January, I set myself a challenge to do 300 sessions before Easter. So, like, just over, it was just over 100 days I had to do 300 training sessions. And then that's when I started getting into really good shape. So, around about mid-April after Easter, I just went, ah, fuck, I'm going to do a building competition. And then it went from there. And, and it became... Like, did you enjoy squatting, deading? And, like, what was the training like in terms of... Because your strength started coming back, so you must have been shifting some decent enough weights. Like, what was what did that training look like? Right, so... I kind of just, like... Yeah, I didn't have, any, I didn't have a plan to it. I just kind of did what I felt like doing. So I always started off with some with a squat or a deadlift. Um, I'd work up to something heavy for, like, three reps. Then I come back, do a set of eight, or eight to twelve, maybe another one if I felt good, and then I'd go on and do like leg press and do a lot of like time under tension stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so like I'd maybe do ten heavy reps, wrap it up, take a ten second break, then try and do five uh, tempo sets, so like as slow as you can on the way down, if you can make a ten seconds break, push it away, try to do that five times, that got ranked pretty quick. So then you rack that back up, take a plate or two off either side, and just rep out. I did that for a set. Then I'd move on. If I had any more in the gas, I'd do um, leg extensions for a similar sort of thing, just loads of reps on that. 
And then at that point, I'd have been training two or three muscle groups because I had I was eating more calories. So then I was training things a bit more frequently, like maybe every two or three days I'd be training. I'd be training most muscle groups. So like as my calories have gotten as my calories have gotten lower and lower, I've done less work in the gym per muscle. So like in terms of how many muscle groups I'm working, and I've also extended how long they get to recover. Because uh, at this yeah. point, you have to accept that when you're in a deficit, you're not going to build muscle. You're trying to preserve muscle. Yeah. So the point in trying to match the work you were doing when you were when you were in a surplus, because the whole point of being in a deficit is to lose body fat. It's not to build muscle. Yeah, and and so that's as much as possible. And that's really you hit the nail on the head too. Like the tough part about bodybuilding, especially for a natural bodybuilder, every time you cut and you walk into a competition you're going to lose muscle mass as well as fat. It's just the way it is. Like you're going to lose, lose some muscle mass as well as the fat. So it becomes difficult. Some, I, I've, I'm not huge into the bodybuilding world, but I've heard um, some natural bodybuilders are like, look, I could do a show once a year, maybe once every two years because gaining back, you know, muscle that I lost, if I do too many shows in a row, I'll just get smaller and smaller muscle mass wise. And um, it's such a tough process uh, to put on your body, you you really got to pace yourself. Like it's it's difficult. It's a full on commitment, you know. And and it's uh you're kind of describing right there where you end up being have to be realistic, being like, look at a certain point. I'm almost just trying to maintain what muscle I have, and just hope to God I lose fat and keep the muscle I have and get on that stage. And when it's all said and done, you know, I'm a, I can bounce back and kind of rebuild from there. Well, if I'm perfectly honest with you, like. There was a few reasons why I did, why I actually went through, why I went ahead and did this competition. And uh, the first I alluded to earlier was I just knew people would take my advice more seriously. And obviously, I've got to start making fucking money. Yeah. That was the first. Um, secondly, I wanted to show people who I'm having these conversations with about, like, you can eat and you can be flexible with food choices and all that sort of stuff. I wanted to show them that what I was saying wasn't bullshit. Like, I've been really flexible during this. I've been trying to eat as much as I can. Like, I've been trying to live my life as much as I can. So, like, I haven't been shunning from, like, um, social gatherings, things like that. I've been making a point to make sure I'm at every single thing I possibly can be, as long as I do have the energy. So I wanted to show that you could do all that sort of stuff. And I wanted to show that you don't have to suffer anywhere near as much as what most people do. Yeah. Most people... Most people, when I told them I was getting ready, I was getting ready for this bodybuilding competition, they assumed that I'd go from whatever I was eating to like fifteen hundred calories straight away. That would be like they, they think that when you want to get into shape, you have to go from wherever you are right now to the person that you want to be in twelve weeks, sixteen weeks, twenty weeks, whatever uh, it has to be. Yeah, they think you've got to just jump from that level down to that level. You've got to fucking take your time and get there slowly. And the slower you take it, the less you're going to suffer. And the reason I'm not suffering, and I don't think I am, and I guarantee you, obviously I have me days, like, I have me days where I'm grouchy as fuck. I have me days where I'm walking around and, like, it's just easier to have your mouth open because it requires too much energy to actually keep your mouth shut when you're walking. So I've just been walking around just like, 
You have those days, don't get me wrong, right? But I see people like that every single day for weeks on end getting ready for bodybuilding competition. And it's because they just go straight to that extreme. But because I've gradually dropped it, I've took my time with it, I've aired more on the side of doing more activity than I have less food because I just I'm still I'm still in my heart of hearts, that fat kid who has eating problems, I'm still that fat kid. So it's easier for me to get into shape by walking around more and doing more activity because I get to eat more food and I get to satisfy, and I get to satisfy that fat little bastard that's in me still. <laughs> you know? And like, yeah, it's just like, I just, I wanted to just show people that, and this is the first time I was doing it. I didn't have a fucking clue if I was going to, if I was going to make it or not. So you didn't but get I a coach. You didn't get a coach. Did you not get a coach for this? Diet coach, bodybuilding coach? So, I'm basically, I was just talking to my friend about this today, so, and he said I've basically done 95% of this myself, like, I've done all the training myself, I haven't, like, I'm not really asking for any advice on training, um, it's really just been, I've had my friend Ben, who I knew from powerlifting, and he got into a couple of, he got into bodybuilding competitions, won a few regional things, and, um, he's just a really fucking good lad, and he's just such an honest person, like, He's somebody who I trust with anything. So I just, I've had him do with basically be, he's been instrumental in this last couple of weeks because the closer I get stage, the less knowledge I have. Yeah, yeah. But up until about four weeks ago, I've really been making a lot of the calls myself, being eating as many calories as possible, coming down slowly. And then it's really been this last four weeks or so that he's been in there. But at the same time, like, He's made some fucking outstanding calls in this time. And also as well, just having, like, it's been so nice just actually reconnect with him again because I hadn't spoken to him for a few years. And then, like, getting a, getting a speak to him, catch up with him, and, like, find out about more of his life and stuff like that. It's been really nice getting to know him properly again. And, like, I'm going to be going on his stag, hopefully, as well. Like, he's getting married this year. I'm going to the wedding. I'm going to be going on the stag. So it's been really nice bit by that. But, yeah, he's been helping me out and... It's just been nice having him because he's been through all of this. There's been some days where I've been struggling. I've been having odds with some people over stupid shit. And he's just been there to just tell me if I'm being a dick or tell me if I'm actually, if, if there's merit to what I'm saying. And like, you know, he's been really supportive. So he's been more instrumental than he thinks he has been. But a lot of the stuff I have around myself. It's, it's, it's funny you say that, and it's true. Like um, previously, a girl I was dating did a show, like a fitness show, and um, the mental aspect of it near the end, like during, like you, like you said, uh, a couple months out, you're you're smashing weights, you're dieting, but it's not the grind. Where when you start getting closer, that's when it's mentally a whole nother ball game. You are stepping on stage to be judged on your body. And, um, and that's all that matters. And then you have like the presentation of it in terms of the pose down and you start having those moments. You're like, fuck me. Am I, am I ready? Uh, am I like, it's, it's in your hormone levels because of the, the, the uh, yeah. especially for women. When not, the yeah, not, not here, lads. Not here. I fucking know I'm ready. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, not yeah. Yeah. Don't you put that evil on me, Billy Bob. <laughs> Fair enough. 
know I'm ready, lad. But, but it is a – in terms of, like, having a coach, like, if you didn't have a coach to talk to, like, if you didn't have someone who's been there to talk to, like, she had her brother who's coaching her. But there are times when – like, I know what you mean where it's not even necessarily – Tell me the calories I need or the weightlifting I need to do in the gym. Sometimes it's like, I got to call you up. I'm feeling fatigued or I got to call you. It's just near the end. It's different. You know, having someone to call who's been there and can help co-pilot fly the plane into the landing. When you're going over, it's fine. When you're in the air, smooth sailing, it's fine. But to land the plane closer to the competition, that's when things, it's, it's good to have that co-pilot beside you, even though you know what you're doing. Um, the guys beside you and you could shoot the shit off and be like, all right, we're going through a little bit of turbulence today. And, and he's there, you know, it's, it's, and it's a little different than a lot of other sports, even powerlifting. And I've seen it because I was living with this girl when she's going through it, but I know what you mean where the person might be like, I was there when you called, you're a little grouchy. You felt a little tired, but I didn't say too much. It's like, that's all I fucking needed, man. That's all that's I all you need. That's all you need. It means everything. I couldn't go through this myself. Like, I like being alone, and I am alone 90% of the time, yeah? Like, I just like being, like, I just won't sit in my shed. Like, I'm pissed off that the connection was bad in my shed. I fucking love sitting in that shed and just watching Netflix and just being by myself. I love it. I go, I love going walking by myself. Like, I'm not even making eye contact with people in the gym right now because I don't want me focused. Oh, I just want to be able to focus on the weight, get the fuck out, and go chill, you know? And um, just having him there has been, has been amazing. So, like, we were just talking about music one day, uh, the other week. And then I just, like, just kind of just, like, threw, like, just kind of threw it out there. Like, we were on about, like, Kill Pitch Engage. Um, he was sending me some, like... And I just threw it out there. I just was like, oh, yeah, you should put a, you should put a playlist together for us. And then this one day, I just couldn't be asked going to the gym at all. I hate that fucking stepper. Yeah. And I was on that for half an hour, and I was like, right, I need, I, I'm gonna, I, I was like, I'd made a playlist a few weeks back, and it was getting a bit stale, and I was like, this is gonna be a fucking big session, this, but like, I need some different music, and then I told Ben, like, I was looking something to listen to, and then he goes, oh, yeah, I've made you this playlist, sent us that over, so now every time I'm on the stepper, I listen to that playlist, and it's just like, it's like he's there on it with us, you know, it's yeah. class. It's, it's, it's amazing how it's like inspiration, motivation like that can work. Do you feel like um, wanting to isolate leading into this, is that because you're in a mental grind where you're, you, know, you, you might be fatigued some days and you're like, look, it, I don't want a humor conversation right now because I'm tired. I've got to walk for three hours. Or, or do you think, or do you, think you, you felt like that before this and this kind of just fits with where you're at? Really, I think it's a combination of a few things. So, I just kind of, like, well, I'm used to being alone anyway. Like, I've always, like, lived by myself in the adult life. Always lived by myself in general. Like, when I was in Liverpool and things like that. Kind of always had my headphones on when I'm training. I don't want to have my focus pulled and things like that. So, the fact, I'm just fully aware that when I'm getting ready for a competition, like, I can't be an asshole. And I'd rather just limit the amount of chances, the amount of opportunity for the, the race for me to be an asshole. Mm. So it's easy to just sit by myself, not have to worry about offending people. Like, I'm happy to offend people if I have to. <laughs> I'm not going to 
like, like, like in the I'm movie gonna, theater. <laughs> yeah, like I'm not going to. I'm not going to compromise on anything right now. I like to think that in the time that I've had built build up of this, building relationships with people at work, I like to think that they know me enough to know that it's just temporary, and I've explained it. They've got to be very open. Put like some Facebook status up. I've been open on the Instagram stories, just saying like, look, I really can't be asked if you see me today. Just wave at us. Don't expect anything more than that. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. So if anybody does take offence to anything like that, then fuck them. Like, it, it, do you? Don't, it, it, they're the kind of people that don't really care about you in the first place. If you know what I mean? Do you? They don't have to, they don't have to understand it, but they can. They have to respect it. Do you feel like? Um, because you, this, I mean, what you're doing, it's, it's a drastic alteration of the body and, and it's, it takes a lot mentally, physically, the whole nine. Do you feel like because this process and you learn, man, it's, it's, it is like a journey, right? When, when you're doing this, it's a journey. I, I hate using that word, but it is. If fuck me, just physically what you're putting yourself through. Can you, can you call it anything else? <laughs> <laughs> I know because it becomes cliche. Next thing you know, you're posting. Next thing you know, you're posting a picker, picture of your butt online and giving a motivational quote about your journey. Well, that's <laughs> the thing. Like right now, I'm just going to go on Amazon and see if I can find a picker quote. That's that's right. And talk about the the special package you're offering. Um, but <laughs> but uh, do you feel like after this? Will, will you need to step back, like, in terms of fatigue levels, in terms of, like, um, because I'm trying not to use the word journey now, but, but in terms of what you've been on, it's so, it's so demanding and where it brings you mentally where you're like, shit, I don't know if I want to be too long in the state of don't talk to me, I, I don't feel, you know, I'm not in the mood, whatever. Because, you know, to be there too long, too, too many times of the year, too many years in a row, like, it, would, it might drain on you as well. Are you kind of like, look, it, this is, this is a satisfying, fucking, I'm going to use it. This is a satisfying journey because it's hard, because it's difficult. <laughs> bear with me, bear with me. And it's all part of it. And if it wasn't hard, if it wasn't hard, it wouldn't be worth it. And I know that's cliche too, but it's true. The fact that 90% of the people would be like, fuck it, I'm, I couldn't do this. I, it got too hard. You pull out. And you're like, I'm walking through this no matter how tough it gets. That walk some days is brutal. But that at the end, do you think you'll be like, I want to continue doing this and stay bodybuilding? Or are you feeling like, you know what, I need to all that said. It, or are you telling yourself, I'm not even looking ahead? Right. So. <clears throat> one of the things that I've, one of, one of my worst behaviors, but it's also one of the things why I think people kind of like gravitate to me so much is like, I am a really emotional person, yeah. like, and I tend to make decisions in the moment a lot, and then when you actually get into it, it's kind of like, oh, if I wasn't that good of a decision, to be fair, like, <laughs> I, could have done with a, I could have done with a few weeks to process it, but if I'm perfectly honest with you, I'm happy to do this this one time for now. Yeah. So, basically, the way this works, right? And there's a part of me that's arrogant enough to think I could pull this off. And I also think that I'm talented enough to do it as well, where I've got, I would have this competition here, the British Championships would be like four weeks later, then it, they'd be like in October, 
and then I think the World Championships are in November. Oh wow! And I honest and I honestly think I could go right to the World Championships and do very well there. I really do. When I first started off, I didn't think that would be possible. But the closer I've gotten to it, seeing what's there, like I do actually think that I could be very good at this sport. But saying that. Mate, I've been fucking losing weight for two years. I'm ready to fucking eat some food. Yeah. Here's the thing, though. Here's the thing, though. I like the stacking of that where it's, it's um, you know, September, October, November type deal. You basically got one massive prep and three competitions for one massive prep as opposed to doing all this, do having one competition and then having to do it all over again for your second competition. It's probably... Yeah a lot more logistically and realistic to be like, look, I'll get in phenomenal shape, hold steady, hold steady for, yeah. for a period, and then I'm out. And then and see how far you could push it. Right to the world, man. That, that's, a, that's phenomenal. If I was going to do that, that's the way I would do it. So basically, like, there's definitely, I definitely think I could go and do well, but at the same time, like, I didn't know that I was going to do this until April. So, if I knew at the start of this, at the start of this two-year process of me stopping powerlifting and finding bodybuilding, if I knew when I left powerlifting that I was going to go into bodybuilding, from that time up until that April, I would have trained completely differently. I would have, I would have been immediately training more overhead pressing to bring me shorter because all I did was benching things like that. I would have immediately just started doing different things to get me in a better position for right now. So I kind of wouldn't want to hit that world stage knowing that I've wasted that time yeah. in that, that regard. I didn't waste that time, but if we're talking about trying to be the best bodybuilder I can be in two weeks' time, I definitely wasted a lot of that time. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? But you kind of... that one through my head. And also, as well, as I say, like, this is a two-year deficit. It's getting hard now. I feel like it's going to take a lot in this last two weeks. And I think it'd be pretty naive of me to think that just as I did it this once, that I could do it again in four weeks and then again in another four or five weeks. That'd be pretty naive because every single day I experience new things. I haven't tried to get this lean before. So, by default, I haven't tried to get this lean and maintain it for 10 weeks. Yeah. And that sounds like a really fucking hard thing to do. What is and your I coach? You like doing it. What does your coach say when you talk to him about the possible pacing of this? Does he say it's realistic or does he say it's possible? Because you might, there might be. Oh, I haven't, I, I haven't even spoken to him about it. Like, it's just, it's well, like, I'm, I'm literally telling you this now because you've asked me about it. Like, I have absolutely no intention of doing it. I'm just explaining, like, why I haven't done it. Like, yeah. his stag do is in three weeks' time or something like that, and his wedding is within that time as well. And one of the things that I promised myself I wasn't going to do is get so wrapped up in something again that I'm going to miss out on stuff like that. Yeah. That I just, I'm definitely 100% not doing it. I've actually looking to go over to Ireland in December to do a powerlifting competition, just to, like, so I've got something to aim, aim back into kind of just like another little change. And also I did a one around about maybe like October or November of last year. 
it'll be nice to see kind of like how much I've improved in that year. It'll give me give me some time to go back and just have a little play around again. And how? So what? You're going to be a 93 kilo lifter, will you, uh, when you come back in December? I'll more than likely be a 105 in that, at that point. Like I'm about eight. I'm like kind of around about 86 ish, usually at the minute right now. Um, I'll probably get to about 83, 84, something like that in the final week. Then, like. I'm going to take 10 days off training. I'm not going to do anything for 10 days. Yeah. I'm going to eat like 3,000 calories every day, walk around quite, walk around some. So I'll probably go back to like low 90s relatively quickly after the competition. And then again, like I say, like I don't really care for being in deficit that much longer. Mm. So by the time December hits, I'll have some fucking big shoulders and I'll be like, 97, 98 kilos. You could, you could, you could cut that to ninety three with a like. That's not that big of a water cut. Are you thinking? I don't. Yeah. Want to uh, uh, right. Come on. It's a little fucking invitation on Ireland, but I'm not cutting for shit like that. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. So you is cut. You cut to qualify. You cut to win, and then you cut to win world. They're the only three times you cut. Yeah. Fair. Fair. Only three times you cut. Yeah. And, and, do you, and even that, no. And do you feel like going into mentally thinking about peaking for powerlifting, whatnot, emotionally, are you as invested or are you just like, fuck it, this is for fun. I don't even super care. Like, I, I seen when you pulled that 300 kilo, you rallied up and hyped up and excited. And that was a screamer. You're like, oh, fuck, that felt good. Yeah. It still feels good. Like, like it still feels yeah. the, the emotional high from it. Yeah. Like, to be honest with you, like, I do enjoy it. I I like doing the little fun competitions like that here and there and stuff like that. But I don't know. I don't know if I'm ready to like really go back into it. And because it's one of those things. Like as much as I'm saying, like I'm making sure that I'm living my life and stuff like that. I've still not pulled back on my efforts at all. I'm still training as hard as what I was when I was powerlifting. It's just slightly harder now because I'm making sure that I'm trying to include people in my life as well whereas I had the time to put in a powerlifting before because I just deliberately shunned people like that, 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 that were like kind of close it, it, that were close by who I could have been going to visit but the gym was too important Yeah. so it's made it a little bit harder and that's something that I would need to adjust to um, but yeah I mean there's always a little bit of fun and like I didn't watch any uh, IPF World, but like I kept hearing from people in the gym saying like that I was getting mentioned on the commentaries and all that sort of stuff. So it doesn't sound like it's going to be like any kind. Like, if I want to go and compete somewhere, I think I'm going to be all right to go and do an invitational somewhere and shit like that. You know, so that was probably me, my man. Uh, at the IPF, <laughs> <laughs> that was probably me mentioning you um, on the commentary. But uh, do you find because this prep? For, for the bodybuilding is, I mean, it impacts like from eating to lifting to all the activity and um, how it impacts you emotionally and, and whatnot. It sounds like going into uh, powerlifting after this experience might be like a whole lot uh, f- mentally, physically easier. You might actually be like, hey, look, it, I thought I lost myself a little bit in powerlifting. 
it almost sounds like if you went back to a powerlifting peaking, you'd be like, fuck, this is almost like way easier. And that's just the impression I get from hearing it yeah. and not being in it. But it might not be as encompassing, especially if you're like, look, my goal isn't even worlds or anything. It's just to hit some numbers. You know, you don't have to worry about the food. You're not walking all the time. Um, you know, it's just, do you think it might be a little easier even when you foresee that? Um, I don't think easy as the word. Does it put in perspective? It'll be more comfortable. Does it It'll put be in... more comfortable. Sure. Yeah, yeah. It, does, this, does this prep, put it this way, did this prep and how much this encompassed you put in, into perspective what powerlifting training is? Like before you experience this, you know it's kind of like they say, you don't know how sweet you have it until you really get in that meat grinder. And then you look back and be like, man, I was complaining about that prep. Whereas like this prep is like well more all-encompassing. Do you, do you nah, feel that or not? I never, I never complained about the prep. I never complained about the training. Like it wasn't the training that like I just, I'm just a fucked up person. So like, like I use powerlifting to fill holes in my life that were pretty empty. Ah, uh, gotcha. Like, so now, like, I didn't ever complain about the prep in powerlifting. I just didn't, I just would always take time off training just because once you'd, once you'd had the high of a competition, that low was just too hard to get out of and it wasn't worth getting out of bed for to go to the gym because it was too far away to start getting ready for shit. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like physically, like the hell of a lot fucking hard on this. Like, I will, like, getting ready for a powerlifting competition will be a piece of piss physically mm-hmm. compared to what it is for this. Um, but, mentally, it would present new challenges because, like, the fact that you're kind of like, not necessarily not thinking about, just it's probably not in your head is like, I'm going back to a sport that I was really fucking good at. Mm. There's going to be a lot, there's going to be a lot of, there's going to be a lot of expectation on me from myself because there always is, but also other people because other people are pretty fickle. Yeah. You know what I mean, so like when I go back, like there'll be a lot of people, like it might get quite a bit of buzz, but then, when somebody else comes back, then that goes away, and it's like, yeah, you know, it's like, it's weird. So I've got to, I, I've got to try and then tackle all those obstacles where, like, I've got, to, I'm going to have to worry about people who haven't said a word in nine months to then suddenly licking me off and wanting me to engage with them really nicely, and I'll be like, eh, nah, you're all right. It's, it's. I know what you mean where because you're in bodybuilding. There was no expectations at all. As a matter of fact, there might have been you, like you said yourself, low expectations. So when you hit that stage, it's easier being that underdog, no expectations. It's just nice. And then when you unveil the package, people are like, "Oh, damn!" Whereas when you go into a situation where there's nothing but expectations, high expectations, and you're like, "Well, I can only if the expectations are like world records type stuff." You're like, you feel like, "Well, I can only let people down." I don't like that feeling of the pressure where it's like. You're setting yourself up to lose, if and I don't think it is, but if you just look at it expectation-wise from other people, whereas you're like, look, I just want to do this for me, man. I'm not the same screamer. I'm going to be a 90, you know, of a small 105-er. Basically, uh, you're a water cut away from 93. I'm coming off a bodybuilding show, but you're just doing this for yourself, for fun. Um, but I know what you mean, where people might position it where it's not. And... Um, 
Yeah, it changes and, like, things. I'll be, and Got a little pause here. I don't know if you can hear up. Oh, we just lost him for a second. Okay, you're back. Can you repeat what you said? Right after I was done talking, you clipped out. Yeah, so, um, off the thought. <laughs> We're just talking about expectations yeah. and how coming back, other people's yeah, expectations. Like, yeah, I'm just, I'm just not going to, like, listen to anybody anymore. Like, I didn't really that much anyway. Like, I've always done what I wanted to do. And if people, like, every now and again, people are like, there was a few, like, there's a few times, like, people just piss me off with, with comments here and there. And I know they're being supportive, but at the same time, I don't have to take it. Like, if the intent is there to be supportive, but if I don't take it in that way, then, like, it's, it's not my problem. It's not my, I shouldn't have to walk on eggshells to give you a nice comment back if I take something the wrong way. Mm. So, like, what do you mean? So, give, give an like, example. Give an example where some... I'll, support- I'll give you an example, yeah. So, like, I was getting ready. So, like, like, I told you yesterday, like, where I like to be able to just focus on the task at hand for, most of the, for the most part. Yeah. So then, and it was very close, very early of me, like, um, getting ready for bodybuilding. And I started doing, like, some, some posing when we made Tyler. And I posted a picture up here. And I was like, um, I think I was saying, like, oh, like, these are starting to get better. Like, I might be all right at this. And then somebody just went, you should do some under 90 strongman stuff. And I just went, fucking hell, can I finish this one off first, please, mate? <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I know he's just trying to be nice and saying that I'd be good at it. But come on, man. Let us just, like, let us just enjoy the moment that I've got right now. Yeah. Rob having me think about Oh, when are you going to come back to the IPF? When I'm fucking ready. Yeah, yeah. When I'm ready, I'll tell you. Until yeah. then, just get behind it, I don't. Yeah, it is, yeah, I know what you mean. And I think what I was saying when you told me that was at least they are of interest and they care. And you are, you are a character that, and I use the term character, you're a person that, for, you're interesting for whatever it is. You know what I mean? Like you... Uh, <laughs> I, I don't know what it is. I'm so sorry for agreeing like that there. But that it, was horrible. But, yeah. but, but, yeah. but it's, oh, it's true. Where like, it's true where like, for instance, when you were powerlifting, when you hit the platform, like you stood out and it was just like, like that's, it is what it is, right? And that's undeniable. And like, um, it, there are a lot of people out there who can't get anybody to care about what they're doing and can't, they'll post, they'll do all these things and they just couldn't, People couldn't give, couldn't care less, and they could be good. I see IPF world champions, and nobody's following them. No, and they're struggling. Like, man, I don't get no love at all. Whereas, um, you could bounce around from interest to interest, and everybody's like all over it and asking. And I don't know. So, what what I was saying is, you know, it's not the worst thing in the world to have people care and ask, be curious. Um, it just gets really fucking overwhelming, man. Yeah, and that's that's really fucking overwhelming. Yeah. And, like, one of those things, like, I'm going to react completely differently to comments right now than what I would have done six weeks ago. Fair. Yeah, that's true, too. My perspective will become, if we did a podcast, talk about the same topic, my perspective might be completely different in four weeks' time when I'm actually eating food again. Yeah, that's true. You know what I mean? Yeah, 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 that's true. Just, it 
all get very, very overwhelming. And I don't know, like, I'm just, like, I'm just very conscious of not becoming that guy again who is only focused on trying to be world champion and doing stuff like that. And it's just every time I get a comment like that, it's like somebody trying to nudge me back towards that. And I feel like I'm very, very open about all the reasons why I don't want to go back down that road. So every little nudge towards something like that, kind of like, I look at it as like, if it's, if it's somebody who actually legitimately does care about me, it's just be happy that I'm doing something. When, when you say go back to the way you were, like when you were powerlifting, you were a certain way, what do you mean there? Explain a little bit. Well, just, it was the only thing that I fucking cared about. Yeah. Like, that was it. Literally, that was it. The only thing I cared about was powerlifting and being world champion. Like, to the point where I held off on part of my life, because I compartmentalized everything. So, I wanted to be world champion by 30, so that I could stop powerlifting, and then go and meet a girl, and then be happy. Because I didn't mm. think I was ever going to be able to do the two things together. Yeah, okay. I got you. I was going to be able to do those two things together. Like, that was my plan, and I made that plan when I was, like, 19. That's fucking, that's, okay, that's crazy, gotcha. It's a fucked up plan to make at 19. Yeah. And the reason I did that plan at 19 was because I was always alone and I didn't have anybody in the year like kind of questioning my thought process. Yeah. So I developed a very one-sided thought process where I was always right and everybody else was wrong. Wow. And yeah. I geared that towards success because success was the only thing that made me feel valued. Wow. So every time somebody pushed me towards something, I kind of think, Fuck you. Yeah, and but they don't know. They don't know all this when you're walking around day to day. Like, I'm pretty fucking open about it, mate. Well, yes, still <laughs> true. But I, uh, for instance, I follow you, and I didn't realize it was like that, you know. And I'm I follow you often, you know. It's um, it's weird. You can know people and follow them on Instagram, but you, but you don't know them. Know them, even if they post things, you might not catch everything, you know. Uh, maybe I'm the guy who's just looking at your abs and nipples and not reading the caption though. Yeah. <laughs> I just outed myself. I just outed myself. This is another thing as well, where like I'm a lot more conscious of the bonds that you do form online. Like I'm a lot more conscious of that now because like not everything is taken into context yeah. at the time. Yeah. So like every time now, and this is really cynical again, but I'm a very very cynical person. I try my best to be positive, but I'm a very very cynical person now. When people say, like, oh, you're really inspirational, I just, that word just gets thrown out way too much for me to actually care about that. Yeah. Well, and they can, be, they, they can be being as sincere as possible. Yeah. And it's different when you get, like, a private message about it and, like, somebody kind of, like, lays out the story and, like, they explain why you're inspirational. Like, I'll, that's fucking, I love that sort of stuff. And I never want to... I never want to sort of criticize anybody for being inspired by something, mm-hmm. but that word's getting thrown out way too much, and it's just losing a lot of value. And I know from from my own previous experience, where I've said where I've said to people, "Oh, you're genuinely inspiring me here," but then it still took me four or five years to sort me shit out. Yeah, well, it's like it's just it, that word is just losing its value when people are throwing it out, and every time I see it, a lot of the time. I kind of think, yeah, but like you're probably still like years away from actually sorting out what you're being inspired about because people aren't 
like getting deep into shit anymore. They're just seeing the little bit on social media with the good boy, then the bad information under it. That's what they want. They get inspired by that. They don't do it. Then they yeah. get worse. They get hit depression. They try it again. They get inspired by somebody else who's fucking big as fuck. Keep going around in that vicious cycle and now everybody's got mental health problems. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I know what you mean. It is true. It, uh, like, for instance... Right, this is why it's not good to be me, mate. This is why anybody who, wants, who says, like, they want to be me, you don't. Because my head is like this all the time. Yeah, see, I'm, I'm uh, I, got, I got what you're saying. It, and it is interesting. I love when you go into the thought process and just open it up like that. Because you articulate it well, right? Um, honestly, I mean, you would never be able to get all this from... So It's, it's funny we're having this conversation about social media. You really don't know how people are unless you sit down and have a conversation, how complex we are as humans. Um, Because it's all this different perspective. Like I read books every single week about athletes and I get, that's how I get inspired off them. And I love stories. Anyone who comes on the podcast and hears knows like I dig in. I want to hear the person's story. We could talk about the training and all that as well, for sure. But I love having a conversation like we're having right now. Like we could dissect. This is why I have What's that? Sorry. Because I knew what, this is why I want to come on the podcast. Yeah. Like, like I said to you, like, I kind of resent it when people just think I'm training. So any opportunity I can get to come and talk about some real stuff, I'm all over because it gets to show. Like, I like the, I like the depth of the person. Like, yeah. if somebody comes to me, over to me at an expo and if they want to know some stuff about training, like, I, I, love, I love helping people out. If I get a feel that they genuinely do want to know and they are going to go, go away and do what I tell them to do, I love that, but most of the time, like, they don't actually want that, they just want the quick little picture, Yeah. and that's it, and it's just like, I just love to just have a conversation about you, and like, help you out with something, Yeah. like, I'd rather that than a picture any day of the week. Yeah, I don't, I, you know I, what I mean? I, I, I feel, 100%, and I feel like, um, like, there's a place in time for, like, there's so many podcasts, and so, that'll just talk about rep ranges, dieting, whatever. You have so many avenues for that. That's why when I have a power lifter on, and I like covering that, covering the training like we did and talking about different things like that. But also, like I like a full on, I want a conversation. I want people to listen to podcasts, leave and think they know Scream Emmanuel better and understand and, and the complexity that Scream Emmanuel is. So he's not just a dude who's jacked up now. He's been, he's been up, down and all around in all different ventures. I'm a very complex person like yeah, well, hey, that's what makes it interesting, though. You know, that's it means something like this, where I can just, like, shoot the shit for an hour and a half or whatever it's going to be. Yeah. It just needs something like this for me to fully explain something. And then I hope, like, people will kind of get it. Yeah. But, you know, most won't. What? And then new people come on board. They, don't, they won't hear this podcast. I'll still be in the same shit. Yeah. But, you know. <laughs> it is yeah it is what it is um I, that, that's the benefits of having like a long format when people come on sometimes they expect like question and answer and i'm like i fucking hate if you want a question and answer don't come on king of lifts like i i don't listen to podcasts like that i don't have you know like the, the textbook it, you don't get the gist of it you're trying to steer the conversation a certain way and it's not natural i don't know what when we were talking earlier like i don't know what direction we're gonna end up nope i just lost him for a second there Okay, you're back. Okay, I'll pick up. I lost you for a second. Um, I heard every word, man. Heard every word. Okay, good. Okay, yeah. I don't know what direction it's going to go in. Some some interviews end up 
turning into question and answer. It's just the other person's personality and that's fine. I, I, I have no problems with it. I can, I've done it. It turns into that and I'm just asking a question, they give me an answer. Ask a question, they give me an answer. And sometimes I love when you just flow and you could tell, oh shit, we're just flowing. I have no idea where we're heading and I'm just into this. I'm digging in. And, um, and those are like the best podcasts. When you actually leave, I leave being like, I got to know that person and that was interesting. And that's what I want everyone else to take away, walk away and be like, you got to listen to the Garrett Fear podcast, the John Hack, the, the Screamer Manuel. You know, that's what your first podcast was like. Yeah, that's it. And it's like, you know what? I legitimately, honestly, even to some extent, look at this of practicing how to have a conversation. Because it's so, like, it doesn't happen that much anymore. Yeah. It's skill that we're losing. We're losing the skill to have conversations a lot. Like, how many times do you have a conversation with somebody and remain in eye contact without them going to the phone? Yeah. Or through you to saying something? Well, it, it, that's, a bad, that's a bad conversationalist. Yeah, and, and listen to what they're saying. For real, listen to what they're saying digest it and have a follow-up question and don't just wait for your turn to talk. You're not just waiting for your turn to talk. You're like, Screamer's saying this, I'm saying that, and you're hearing what I'm saying, digesting it, and we continue on naturally wherever it goes. I'm not just, I have an agenda, kind of like you were saying before, I have an agenda and I'm just trying to get to this agenda. Uh, Whatever you're saying, cool, I asked a a bullshit question, you gave me a bullshit answer, and then I'll get to what I actually like, uh, you know, like the picture you're saying, I'm coming in asking you something about training, but I really want a picture or whatever the hell. Like, this is a full-on conversation. It is. It's a dying art where where people just don't do it enough anymore. Like, even in the gym the other week, some guy comes over, I I had like a little string vest on, I just trained chest, so like, it just, it looked fucking mint. Right, it looks flat. Yeah. So this guy comes over and he goes, fucking hell, how would you get a fucking chest like that? And I goes, right, do you honestly want the answer? And he goes, yeah, come on. And I goes, right then. So I trained as a powerlifter for X amount of years before I did this. I trained bench four days a week and I would always press 180 kilos minimum for a single, sometimes higher, generally no less than 180 and I would do 140 would be like 140 kilos would be my lightest set as well and then so, I was, so then I finished all that off with if you do that for long enough you're gonna build a chest yeah and then he just went and then, then he goes um then I goes uh, oh, so, and, and then at, at the time I also said that I benched like 212 and a half kilos was my max at the time so like if you can press a lot of weight for a long time you're gonna get bigger yeah. That was the best part I do, and he just went, "Okay, now two hundred and twelve and a half kilos." My best was a uh, one forty. I just put me, I just put me headphones on and walked off. Yeah, yeah. Well, and why is that? Were you just like frustrated with how? Because the- I was just didn't fucking listen to the answer at all, did you? Yeah, yeah. And, and you know what I mean? Like, yeah. He like he came in there, and I thought he actually wanted to know how to get a bigger chest. So when I, I said like I was training four times a week, I wanted a follow-up question like, oh, right, uh, well, I'm only doing it twice a week now, so, like, should I do three? And he just immediately compared his list to my list. Yeah. So I was just like, fuck this, I've just, I've got time, I've got no time, I've just walked off. No shit. That guy's like, yeah, yeah, it is what it is. It's just, that's just not a good conversation, man. Like, 
I didn't want to fucking brag about myself for that time. I wanted them to sort of pick something apart and say, all oh, right, well, um, are there any different exercises you'd recommend or something like that? He just wanted to tell us how much he benched. That was it. Yeah. Yeah, it wasn't genuine. He, 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 he wanted... He wanted me to go, oh, 140, really good, that thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's all he wanted. He yeah. didn't actually want it all. Yeah, so it's a waste of time. Speaking of like, uh, so now that you're doing bodybuilding, doing this, and, and people are coming to you more and more for your coaching and more and more for your training, um, let's talk about your coaching. Let's talk about what you're doing right now. Because you are, you are a coach for anyone listening. Yeah. Um, and, and you've done it all. You've done, whether, what do you want, strength training? What do you want, aesthetically pleasing? You've, now you've hit, you've hit the, you've hit all, all nails at this point. Um, what kind of coaching services are you offer, offering right now? Powerlifting, bodybuilding, the mix? What are we looking at right now? Not bodybuilding. So, unlike most of the Insta coaches out there, I don't just do one new competition and then declare myself as a coach. If I'm going to do bodybuilding coaching, I need another two or three years in the game just learning from the best before I can actually offer that like morally and to a safe level. Yeah. So I wouldn't ever think about doing that. However, if somebody was looking to get on stage in two or three years' time, a lot of the time that we'd be spending at the very start of that would be on building up the base to actually be able to go to stage. So if it's people who are looking to just look better, I'm your guy. If it's people who long-term thinking about bodybuilding I'm potentially a guy because I've also got to put the work in and learn that stuff before I can actually do it I can't just say in three years time I'll be ready I've got to put the work in myself but powerlifting I'm fucking ready for that as well so right now I'm offering I'm only offering this right now as a um, like a beta test so I'm doing a Facebook coaching group it's £99 for 12 weeks of coaching you will get a tracker sent over, which will, you obviously put the data in, and then it's going to give me everything I need to know to make a good adjustment for you. So it'll be carbs, proteins, fats, fibers, steps, um, calories burned, if you've got a oh, Fitbit, wow. things like that. Even how many times you poop. Oh, wow, That's going to give me a lot of information about just how efficient your system is, and like, uh. I can, it can guide me on the adjustments that I'm going to make in your macros, things like that. Obviously, you don't, if you don't want to know how many times you poop, you don't have to. You engage as much as you want into that sort of stuff. Yeah. But you've got to bear in mind, the more information I've got, the better adjustment I can make for you. So you'll get to check in every couple of weeks with me. You'll get a personalized adjustment over from that screenshot and your progress picks. Um, a fully customizable program where you can substitute in out of exercises. So you'll have like, a few different options for a main exercise, a few different options for an accessory and um, an assistance, and then you'll kind of just tick the drop down what you want to do for that day and go for it. And that's going to be over the course of 12 weeks. It's really, it's just, I'm going to try and make this as simple for you as possible. And you come on board with this. Ideally, able and willing to establish this as a baseline program. Mm. I'm not coming in and throwing all the shit at the wall and seeing what sticks. We're going to find what the minimal amount of effort it takes for you to get some progression. So then if you want to stay on beyond the 12 weeks, 
will have a different will have a different avenue to go down depending on what you want to do. So I spent a year just getting in better shape on high calories. I'm imagining most people are going to have to be willing to go with a year of training building those calories up before the goal like for anything significant and I I think that's the best way to do things personally I think that's where you're going to be at your most motivated and it would be easy for me to just put you on a deficit and give you shit loads of activity but I know that's not going to work long term yeah I want I want people who want to change their lives. It's either well, that's going to be aesthetically or on the platform, whatever it is. Either way, the same principles are going, to, are going to apply to you. I'm more than likely, unless you're coming to me, already in a position where I can get you on something like that, like into a deficit, where it's, if you're just like naturally handling three and a half to 4,000 calories right now, we can probably get going right now. But the reality is, most of you are probably going to be building up from high... High one hundred, high one thousands to low two thousands. If that's your starting point, you haven't got very far before you start running into problems where you're going to be holding on to like too much tissue. To accept that you're going to have to take that long route, and I think it's lazy coaching to just put people straight on a deficit with high activity because you're taking advantage of their high levels of motivation at that point in time. Whereas I'd rather teach you all the habits that you're going to need to do the next 12 weeks, then the one after that, then the one after that, then the one after that. Because, mm. like I said before, you can't just start here and then just totally change your lifestyle to match who you want to be in 12 weeks. You can't do that immediately. You do it every few weeks. You build up a good habit or two. Then when they, then when they are a habit, you build up another good habit or two. <clears throat> At this point, you might not even be dropping habits. You might just be building good habits. Yeah. And then once you run and building a few good habits up, then you might go, right, let's drop these two habits now and we'll keep adding habits. You've got to do that. Like, people are only going to recognize the last 12 weeks of work I've put in, but in reality, they started two years ago. Mm-hmm. That's a realistic so, path. In those first 18 months, Without that first 18 months, I couldn't do this last six months right now. Mm-hmm. People need to understand that from the very start. And if you can accept that, I think all the anxiety and the stress of having a timeline just goes away. If you can just open yourself up for that and just submit to it and just be like, right, you know what? 12 weeks is awful. I'm not going to make any significant changes to my mind in 12 weeks. Yeah, I can make significant changes to the body because at the end of the day, it's just a, it's just a numbers game. All it is, it's a numbers game. If yeah. you can, if you can consistently burn more what you take in, you're going to lose weight. But if you do it too quickly, there's, and there's little bits of this that I'm going to explain in the program as well. But you realistically need to be taken nine months to a year because you don't fully kill fat cells in twelve weeks. You just shrink them. Ah, no shit. I didn't know that. So, when you get to the end of your 12 weeks, you probably haven't actually killed any fat cells. All you've done is made all your fat cells smaller. Then, because you went extreme and you haven't kind of like 
learned how to adjust along the way, you go back to eating how you were, and you put more weight back on. That's because the effect, yeah. haven't actually lost any fat cells. All you do is make those fat cells bigger again, then... So that's how you get bigger. When, they, when your fat cells get too big, they split off into two, and they double uh, in size. I didn't know this! Double in number. The double in number, and then each one of them adds more relatively every every time. So, like, kind of like the only limiting factor in how fat you can get is death. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, people people who are like you have to get craned out of the house. Yeah, like they can keep getting fatter. Yeah, the only limiting it's just death will get them first. Yeah, the only limiting factor is death. You know, in in um. I don't, yeah, people don't know this. People do have unrealistic goals and, and they want the quick fix. So this, what you're saying right now is like the opposite of what most people offer is 30-day abs and that kind of bullshit, which isn't real. It's not realistic. And that's... Fucking everybody up. Yes. Uh, and not only not only physically because of what you just explained, how the body doesn't adjust to it, but also mentally, they're just, it's just... They gravitate towards bullshit. Take my money. I'll pay extra if it's in yeah. 30 days. I don't want to hear a, an 18-month program. That sounds hard. That's not. For 30 days? I can work hard for 30 days. Yeah. Yeah. Fun. But can you work hard for 30 days? Oh, in fact, can you work, let's say, three quarters for 30 days, but do 24 lots of 30 days in a row? Yeah. Can you do that? Yeah. That's, why, that's when you're going to get better. That's Not by throwing out the 30 day option and putting all your eggs in that one basket. Consistency that's always wins. Consistency always wins. When people talk, when people are like, oh man, I, I had like a, I fell off, you know, last week I went to the gym twice or I fell off last week, I ate like whatever twice. And I'm like, look it, if that's not your, if, if in the bigger picture, you only do that every now and then, you're fine. If you're consistently in the gym, you're consistently diet, like eating properly, consistency over a period of a year is the big deal. Who gives a shit about every now and then it's okay. Whereas if you're consistent, consistently not in the gym, consistently, consistently not eating well, that's your life as well. So there's no way around it. In, in, any, in any pursuit, are you consistently showing up at jiu-jitsu? You consistently, that's what you're going to end up being. If, you, if your end goal is to get good at anything... This is like a newsflash for anybody listening. You consistently put it in over a period of time. That's how you improve. That's how you change. Yeah. Yeah. That's then, it. Yeah. That is it. That's it. And if, if you're one of these people who starts the gym again and then finds that the kind of like drop off after six weeks, eight weeks or whatever, I just think you're making that six weeks unnecessarily hard. Yes. You know what, that's what, you know, and that's one of the biggest, I'm glad you said that. Sometimes when I hear people talk about, they, they fall off, I'm like, well, what could you consistently do then? Because that is better than nothing. So if you're like, if you go in for an hour and you hate this, you hate that, what can you do that you will consistently be able to do? You could throw on an iPad, uh, throw on a podcast and just fucking walk or do a little bit of lifting. If you can even do even lightweight, easy stuff, it's better than gutting out four weeks of hell and stopping. What will you do consistently 
in your life over the course of the next year. Figure that out and do it and you are infinitely better than if you just try to gut it out and stop after four weeks. I 100% agree. And that's exactly why I started off my year with that 300 session challenge. Because in order for me to complete that, I just had to focus on turning up all the time. Yeah. So it was like I had, like it was fucking horrible, don't get us wrong, there was some days where I had to train five days. It's like five times in one day. So like I had to do that every now and again. But just having, just putting the discipline in my head to keep doing the things that I had to do every day. And by doing it in a bit of an extreme way, but for me, like that wasn't a, that wasn't too much of a step up in the kind of training that I am used to. Mm-hmm. A lot of people wouldn't be able to do 300 sessions in like 100 and odd days. But because of the training that I've got, I was able to do that. Mm-hmm. But there's no reason why you couldn't be like, right, I'm going to try and do 150 sessions in 100 days. Because then that's like, that's a few twice, that's a few two days, few rest days, but mostly one a day. Yeah. You know? And a session towards the end, because I, because I realized that I was going to do the bodybuilding competition, a session for me just amounted to walking at least five kilometers. That could be a session for me. Yoga could be a session for me. Just hiking can be a session. Yeah. But when you say, but when I tell people I trained 300 times from January to mid middle of April, they were like, you must have been fucked. Like, because they assume, like, every single one of them was me going full to the wall 100 fucking mile an hour on whatever I was doing. Yeah. But no, active recovery is still training. It's, it's, it's a, and I've had that too, where you go in, you're like, man, I'm so beat up. Uh, if I'm not going to squat and bench, or if I'm going to bench, it's going to be shit day. I might as well not even go. I'm so beat up. You can go in and you don't have to be killing it all the time. Do, do lower weight. Even if you put in like a plate aside over the course of 10 reps, you do like a 10 by, add up how many kilo and pounds you've moved over that session. It'll make a difference. You could always do stuff. People sometimes have this all or nothing approach to a gym day or a session and it's not realistic. And that's where I would prefer just go in the gym and do what you can do on that day. And when you add up those days over six months, it's far better than only having killer sessions a couple times and then you add up those days and you've shifted far less weight and far less consistent. Yeah. You know, consistency is the best way to pro. Yeah. And, and, and that's right. It's not as, it's not as sexy in terms of posting online. That session wasn't any video. That's not what it's about though. You know, that's, yeah, not, how, but, that's not how it's done. Yeah, well, the patient, it might not be sexy, but you know what is sexy? My fucking abs right now. <laughs> and that, Hey, 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 and that package, that special package you got dealing with. Special delivery! <laughs> my friend. Um, how do people get a hold of you if, they, if they're interested in this coaching and in this program? Right. So, if you head over my Instagram, Streamer Manual, I've got the link to that in my bio there. You click that, you read a little bit about, like, kind of the thought process behind the program. And um, one of the things that I do actually want to say here to your listeners, um, one of the things that I point out in there is something that I really want you to think about when you kind of like see all the stuff on social media. So, do you ever see that many coaches post multiple 12-week transformations of the same person in a row? Yeah. 
very rare that you do, isn't it? Yeah. But it would be logical to assume that another 12 weeks later, the results that they'll have to show would be better, wouldn't it? Yeah. From the first 12 weeks. So, if they're willing to show you that first 12 weeks, why don't they show you the second 12 weeks? Yeah, yeah, And that yeah. gives you all the information you need to know on why you should go more towards a slow burner program with flexible dieting. Because I'm not going to give you anything that I don't think you're capable of and I'm going to progress you at a nice steady rate so that you're not going to be this guy who only lasts six weeks because my program's too hard. I want, I want my program to be too easy for you so that in four weeks' time, we can make a step up and get you a little bit closer to where you are. Because you have to appreciate that although that work might not be, might not be adequate to make you sore as fuck, and we don't need you sore as fuck, really. I don't get that sore. Yeah. Like, while it might not be adequate for you to progress a hell of a lot right now, it's still doing something. Yeah. And then when we, and when we make that step up, you're going to start feeling the benefit of that something. Because if that work isn't that much, then I can safely assume that your technique is getting better and better and better as I'm making these adjustments. Then when the workload starts getting hard, because you've done so many reps with good technique, you won't feel it suddenly get hard. Yeah. It'll yeah, yeah. be, you'll just be smoothly and then be like, oh, I need to just push out a little bit harder here. Whereas you're not going to get to the point where when you put an extra 10 kilos on the bar, all your form goes to shit. You're not going to have that. So you need, I'm just, so I'm really going to try and get you to swing your focus to different parts of the training and like mental PBs over physical PBs. Mm-hmm. If you can get used to even that term, mental PB, you can make a lot of mental PBs every day. And, like, Jordan Peterson's, like, um, big on stuff like this, where he started off somebody who was just, like, completely just, like, in a disaster of a life. They couldn't look after themselves or anything like that. Very, very similar to how I felt back in the day. Like, just make your bed every day. Back a PB. Then, try and make one a little bit further down the line. And then, before you know it, you're out of the house and you're back and you're getting a job and all that sort of stuff. You kind of got to do the same thing with your lifestyle. Yeah, you can't. So like, yeah, to, to, you're gonna fuck up. You're gonna fuck up at some point. It's gonna happen. And if I do my job correctly, your decision after that fuck up will be a lot better than what it would be. How do you just do my program and go forth the wall? Because you'll have you'll have built up a lot of mental TVs without even realizing it along the way. I like how you broke that down, and it's true. If you just try to go from not being able to get out of bed to uh, like your buddy, your a friend who doesn't know might be like, get out there, throw in the resume, rock a suit, change your life, and it's yeah, like, like that's that, fucking so easy. That's so much easier than done. Yeah, it, it's it's overwhelming to even try to process. It's horrible, man. We're we're it, that goes in one ear out the other. Where it's like, all right, man, here's how we're gonna build this process. And if you take that kind of analogy to like anything, where it's like, look, I can't take you if you're not. I can't just turn you around in four weeks to be a world-class powerlifter, bodybuilder, change your life, whatever. That's unrealistic as well. It's like, let's, let's build some habits. Let's build on those and start marching towards your goals, realistically speaking. And that's where you're going to stay on the course and not veer off if you have a bad day. Consistency. Another thing that I always, another thing that I always like people to 
kind of like think about when they're making the decision to like start a new training program or start with a new coach or whatever. It's like most people they definitely want I think most people's heart are in the right place and they do want the long term progress. Or at least they think they want the long term progress. I just think they think twelve weeks is a long time. Yeah. I think I think that's an element to it. But what I what, what I always want people to think about is if if it takes you a year to get in a position where you can then go and change your life for the better, or you can have the illusion of it after twelve weeks and it's going to be gone. Which one would you take? Yeah. You would like so like obviously you don't know in twelve months time that it's going to change your life, but in twelve weeks hell it's not going to happen. Yeah. But for me now having the perspective that I've got from being being a high level powerlifter and always being right next year, next year, next year, next year doesn't come. It gets harder to then pick yourself up for next year. So I was digging myself dig deeper and deeper into that hole. Then I just thought, you know what, fuck it. It's not going to happen next year. It didn't happen this year. It didn't the one before. It didn't the one before. And I'm no different as a person. It's not going to happen next year either. Yeah. I took this step back, started thinking about things, started like kind of like getting my thought process a little bit better. And now, if I was to go back to powerlifting, I'm in such a better position mentally to be able to actually get the world title now. Mm-hmm. And taking two years of not being in the sport, but I just know that I wouldn't have won it. I just know I wouldn't have won it up until this point here. And you kind of got to do the same thing here. Like, I didn't know that in two years' time, I was going to be sat with a better mindset in a position where I'm fully confident I could go and win the world title. I didn't think that was going to happen in two years. But I knew it wasn't going to happen in fucking one. I knew it wasn't going to happen in 12 weeks. Yeah. So I felt amazing at various points leading into that, leading into this, like, bodybuilding competition here. But I didn't let them, I didn't take them for granted at any point. I just took them for what they were. And I just thought, yeah, but there's a good chance that I'm going to actually, like, there's a good chance that I'm going to be depressed as fuck for a few weeks here and I'll go. You know? Yeah. So then, once I've just, once I've been through this enough time, I've got a much better predictor for my future behavior now. And you need that same thing. So, I'll come back to my original point. If, you can have something where you're going to be able to change your life in a year or you can have something where it's going to give you all the illusions of being able to change your life in 12 weeks but it's going to slip away. Yeah. You should pick it every single time. Yeah. yeah. Every single time. 100%. Um, I, I like that because I think anything short of long term is an illusion basically. It's not a real change. It's temporary. Because you're talking short. Yeah. Short term is always temporary. It's habits. But you have to do it consistently over time. Um, let, yeah. me give, let me give a quick pause. I got to go do a quick pee break. Do you guys want to keep talking? I'll be back in one second. You don't want <laughs> Don't go. Don't go nowhere. Oh, uh, am I always the longest podcast? <laughs> oh, man. I think he has a small bladder. Yeah, he always has go pee. <laughs> but no, I totally agree with what you're saying. Like, basically, progressive overload in the training. Build that consistently. It's... It's yeah. so key. Like, 
just you shouldn't take any rest for granted whatsoever. No rest should be taken for granted. Mm-hmm. Like all those warm up sets, like I spent so long doing all my warm up sets, like the Wimby top sets. Yeah, yeah. Just when you get to your top sets, to feel like warm up sets. Like I spent so long with that in my head, but I still wanted everything quick. Right, right, right. So like I still wanted the world title next year. Yeah. Where wasn't happy to just be able to get it. Exactly, yeah. I feel like I would have benefited a lot more by just making some progress every year and then getting to the world title and being ready to win rather than trying to work so hard for it to catch up on the lost time that I had. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When I would take a little depressive bout. Yeah, I can definitely relate. Like, I feel it's just normal human behavior that we always want things right now. It's hard to wait. It's like, I can, like, progressively build this towards, like, a year or two-year goal, but, like, I'm greedy, so I just want it right now. And- oh, yeah, 100%. 100%. <laughs> and I totally get that. And I just think you kind of just need to find a balance of, the bo- of them both. Do you know what I mean? Sorry, so, I- like, yeah, you just kind of need to find a balance of them both. Mm-hmm. So, going forward, I'm going to be... So, let's say, when I get back powerlifting here, Right. Let's say I score 240 the first time I compete. Mm-hmm. Then, four weeks later, I squat 250. Yeah. The previous to me would be like, right then, how can I make that 10 kilo increase 15 the next time? Exactly. Then, I'll make that 15 kilo increase 20 the next time. Right, right. Now, it'll just be, right, 250 the first four weeks, 260, 267 and a half. Ooh, that came down two and a half, but I'm still going up. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, that's I 100% agree with my that. Mind, that's where my mind is now. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Then I've gained a lot more depth where it'll be a case of right then. Now we're getting really close to like top end numbers that are actually really going to be harder, harder to pursue and harder to get. Yeah. Then at that stage, it might be a case of right then. I'm not going to try and push for this now, mm-hmm. but let me see if I can triple 270 this time. Yeah, yeah, and sometimes you're having those oh. training sessions where you, like, have that number you want to hit, but you just have to step back and for that one week, yeah. and the next week you come back a bit fresher and you hit that again, so it just depends on how so, you... Like, I'm a lot more flexible in the way that I train now, and, like, I don't have to do certain things on certain days anymore, Exactly. Like, and it's purely because, for this two-year period, I haven't had anything with a physical performance at the end of it. Like, even this competition isn't a physical performance for me. Yeah. And that's, and that's a whole other, you know, it's, it's, that's what bodybuilding is so unique where you show up and all the physical, physicality of it was done previously. It is, it is what it is. At that point, it's like, it, the difference between that sport and say bodybuilding would be on, on or sorry, uh, powerlifting would be on powerlifting. Right up to the last deadlift, you could pull for the win or something crazy. You could be like, look, I could summon the strength and make some, make something happen. On bodybuilding, when you show up, it's kind of like, well, it is what it is. I can't, you know. Uh, can't slab on another 20 pounds of muscle for it, the win. It, it is what it is. <laughs> I mean, you can hit your posing. Posing, not to downplay the posing aspect of it. Because I've been told that a good poser can beat a guy with better symmetry and body because he just outposed, outangled. We we all joke about outangling. Is that not true? Because a friend of mine... Uh, I don't know. I just, I don't know. Like, it's one of those things, mate. Like, you know, like, even with powerlifting. Like, I don't actually know that much about powerlifting. I find it really fucking boring. Like, I just like training for it. You know what I mean? 
And same kind of thing with bodybuilding. I don't really know that much about it, but I really love training for it. Mm. And getting into the rules and all that sort of stuff, that's not the kind of thing I really have any time for. I can't be bothered with it. Because at the end of the day, like something like bodybuilding as well, where it's my, my performance is a combination of being in my control. So I've got to be the one who nails the poses. I've got to be the one who shows up looking good, looking as good as I can be. But at the same time, if there's a different panel of judges at one competition who are looking for something different to a different competition, then I could turn up looking exactly the same and come first off fucking fifth. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like, I just, I'm not really putting too much on the outcome because I'm not 100% in control of it. That's fair. Like, you're a lot more in control in powerlifting because there's numbers to it. And if you put enough training in, more than the other guy or more adequate training than the other guy, then you're going to win nine times out of ten. But, like, and then you've got the judges' call, which are sometimes a little bit sketchy, but, like, for the most part, it's in your hand. Mm-hmm. Quite literally with deadlift, that was always my fucking problem, it being in my hand. <laughs> <laughs> but then, but here, like, as I say, I could, I, I could be in a position where I feel like I look best on stage, and one of the judges might be mates with somebody in the in the in the lineup, and they might win. Like it's just one of those things. So I don't really care about that that much. I I think you're right. You can't because power or sorry, bodybuilding is totally subjective. It's all opinion. There is no. Have you run the 100 meters faster? Have you thrown that discus further? Have you lift, lifted more weight? Or are you the boxer that knocked the other guy out? That's, that, there is none of that. It is only opinion. It is only subjective. So you walk up there being like, you know what? I have to be content. I've changed my life. I, I, I like the package I'm... I gotta watch myself. I like the, <laughs> yes. I like the package I'm bringing. Um, but... Uh, but you, you, you almost have to be like, when you walk out there th- that day, be like, all the hard work's done, and I'm just going to enjoy the day now. Whatever happens is outside of my control. I think I look great. And, and that's, you know, that's basically it. You have to take the pressure off. It might even be easier um, because there's no pressure on the day of, which is a little different than everything else. All the pressure was hitting everything, all, like, everything on the way into the day of. It's over almost. It's almost like, hey, whatever. You know, that's someone's like, opinion. I obviously don't have an opinion on that yet because I haven't been through it. Yeah. But, like, mate, I've always enjoyed competing. Like, I loved, I loved competing. Like, it's hard to, like, I'm a really passionate person and I bring it out when I compete. Yeah. It's the one time that I feel like, like it's acceptable for me to be that passionate about something. Yeah. And you were over the like, Uber, like you, you were like, and it wasn't just for a show. Some people do little things on the uh, platform and it's a show. They want to stand out, man. That's why you were easily one of the more popular guys to watch. It was fucking yeah. intense, man. I got to show you, Kath. We haven't seen it, but, um, yeah. <laughs> it, it, what, what, but what do you think when it's going to be bodybuilding? I guess you don't know. I guess you're saying like, you don't know what it'll feel like competing. Well, I don't know how I'm going to feel on the day. Like, just, mate, I'll, I'll, right, the other day, I think it was Wednesday, right, I was just walking 
um, I've been doing loads of walking for me cardio, but I was just walking down this like little wooded area, and um, I was thinking like, fucking hell, like I'm actually doing this here. I can't fucking believe I'm doing this. I just messaged me mate who was helping for the competition. I just texted him. I was just like, mate, I can't believe I'm doing this. And he just replied back. He was like, mate, it's only fucking like 19 days. <laughs> and mate, I just, mate, I just started crying. Really? I, I started crying, shit, you know, just openly crying. There was nobody around. Yeah. And I just started crying because I just thought like, like, it's like, it's almost, it's around about two years to the day that I moved back home. Like, when I do this competition, like, it's really not that far. It's like, two or three weeks away from being two years of being back home. And I just, like, I just thought, like, I've came so far mentally, emotionally, everything in this time. And that was the first time that I kind of, like, realized that. Like, that thought entered my head a little bit here and there. But then when I thought, like, fucking hell, like, I'm less than three weeks away from doing something that, like, I honestly didn't think I'd be able to do because of how mentally weak I was. Like, I just fucking burst into tears. It was crazy. Yeah. Not, like, uncontrollable, like, no, no. not like that. But, but you, like... The self-realization just, moment. I, you had a moment I, of self-realization. I, yeah, I just had the biggest smile on my face. And there was just tears streaming down my face, like, down my cheeks. And I was just like, fuck me, I'm doing it. Is, is it huh? Isn't that what you're supposed to do in life? is put yourself in situations where you have those moments. Some people will live and die get with wife, three kids, nine to five job, but and never, be in the never put themselves out of their comfort zones. They'll be 80 years old, look back. How many of these moments do they got, man? Where they're like, look, I threw myself in. Fuck it, I tried. Like, if nothing, even if you do this and you're like, you know what, I'm good with bodybuilding, it wouldn't be like, oh, so you didn't like it? No, 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 I fucking love the experience. But I want more experiences. I want other moments like that. I can keep growing. Or maybe you keep doing bodybuilding. But it's not... I get. I think I get what you're saying where, you know, you're chasing moments and put yourself in experiences and challenging and keep yeah. waking up and you want that. As opposed to waking up Joe 9 to 5 grinding and not having that. And just being like, what am I doing? Days fall like, off the calendar too quick. Doing this, doing this competition reconnecting with a load of people from the past and just like it's been nice seeing like all the like all the well wishes and people saying that I look awesome and all that sort of stuff but like as I say like I'm keeping myself neutral on all that sort of stuff because I'm very aware that next month when it's all said and done like that's it I'm no longer flavor of the month and that's not going to happen as much yeah. too many people like caught up on that and they're like kind of like that's their worth, how many likes to get on something, that's not me now. Yeah. It wasn't much, but it was a little bit, it affected me more than I thought it did, but not now, like, I'm fully aware that all the nice comments are going to stop in about six weeks' time, you know, and, like, it is what it is, yeah. but the thing that's given me the worth, this has been the single most rewarding experience of my life ever, 100%, wow. and I've done a lot of good shit. Yeah. And this one, I've gotten more from this than anything I've ever done, combined, potentially. Like, I'm just, I'm more empathetic. I've reconnected with a load of good friends. I feel like I know how to train better from doing it. So whatever I do want to do, like, I've benefited from that. Like, I 
feel like people are kind of understanding me a bit better because through the opportunities like this and more people are actually paying attention to the stuff that I'm saying now. And it's just like, just I've gotten so much from it that I really don't actually care about the result of this going forward. Like, if I was to win something big in bodybuilding, that would be absolutely awesome. But there's been people from the national bodybuilding community who have gotten behind me 100%. People who are like, they were really high up, like Alberto Nunez, Eric Helm. Um, there's been a few others. There's been Brandon Lilly even giving me away words of advice and support and stuff like that. And it's just been like, what the fuck? This is like really cool. Yeah. But the chance to potentially go and compete against or with the likes of Alberto, Eric, and some other natural bodybuilders who I'm sure I'm going to get to know over the years by being, by, by how supportive they've been, been to me. I feel like I can easily immerse into that community and just like get along with a lot of people there. Getting the chance to go and share on a stage with them is going to far outweigh winning anything. And I'm not just saying that to sound fucking good. Like, it's just, it's so true. And, and I didn't realize how much that meant to me until I actually went along with it. Yeah. And they were just like, yeah, just, you know what, bro, like, I really admire what you're doing. If you need advice on anything, just give me a shout. Like, that's fucking mint. I love shit like that. Isn't life funny, man, how two years ago you don't even know that you would even care this much about, like, you, you, you wouldn't have known I would give a shit. Like, you were saying, I, would, I, didn't... I didn't think, I thought that was gone. I didn't think I was ever going to care about lifting and training again. Wasn't even sure I was going to care about anything again. Like, it was crazy. It was mad. And that's probably with life in general, man. Like, uh, a lot of things where you just don't realize, like, no, how you feel right now isn't going to be how you feel in two years. Something can come along, and it can be a game changer, and it happens. It almost restores your faith. So if anything happens with bodybuilding or other sections of your life where you're like, I don't know if I'm still loving bodybuilding. I don't know if whatever it is. Because you experience this, and only through experience you're going to know these things and pick it up. You know, hey, look, I felt like this before. And things are around the corner you haven't, you don't foresee, and it just happens, and they're game changing, and you will, you'll be like, I never would have thought I would, I would get into this and be consumed all over again and start having these feelings, you know, and having these eureka moments, self realization moments. It happens, man. You know, it does. That's that's the. It's life's funny. I couldn't be more grateful for it happening because, like. Oh, I just didn't enjoy those last few years of training. Like, I say it all the time, and I just didn't. It's just like, I was so, just so one-track-minded, where I'd set that goal that I was going to be world champion at 19, and because I hadn't did it, because I hadn't done it, I hadn't accomplished that yet, I had to keep going. Mm. And it didn't matter that I enjoyed it, and it didn't matter that it was consuming too much of my life. Yeah. didn't matter that I was missing out on living. Because I wasn't allowed to have a life until I did that. Yeah. A goal for the sake of a goal that you set as a kid. When you're 19, yeah. you're a kid. And you're like, yeah. what, am, what am I doing? I was a kid. I didn't know any. I, when, I was, when I was 19, fuck. Don't ask me yeah. my views on life and make me set life goals. And then to think years later, yeah, you, you, you've, you've had that goal for so long. You're still chasing it. And sometimes you stop and be like, what, why am I still chasing this goal? Do I even care at this point right now? Let's stop and reevaluate what we're doing here. I'll tell you what, actually. You should listen to this podcast because you would fucking, you would love it. It's right up your street. You might have already listened to it. But that first little 
seed was planted in my head by a Joe Rogan Experience episode where he interviewed Dominic Cruz. I don't know if you listened to it. I, I, I'm all over Joe Rogan. I'll, I probably did, but tell me about it because I, I, I don't so, know. Obviously, for any of listeners who don't know, uh, Dominic Cruz is the former UFC bantamweight champion. And he won the belt, then went through, I think he tore an ACL and something else on his left side was then getting ready to defend his title, tore the other ACL. Then, I think he tore another ACL, like after another surgery repaired ACL. So, he ended up having, he got, the, he got the belt stripped off him, and there was something like three and a half years between his last defense and him and his next fight. And I believe, yeah, his next fight, if he won that, he would get a shot at the belt. He went in, won it in a minute. Yeah. And on that podcast, he was going through all the same stuff that I went through, obviously to a much higher extent. It's fucking Dominic Cruz, not me. I'm a chump in comparison. But he basically said the thing that got him back to the, the thing that got him back to a position where he was able to win the world title again because he was severely depressed, anxiety, the whole nine yards, everything. Stay in his house for a week at a time, all this sort of stuff, same thing what I was doing. And he just said, one day I just thought, right, you know what? I'm just good with it. Like, if I don't, like, I might not win the world title again, I'm going to let it go. Hmm. And then, when he did that, everything started improving. And then he came back, won that fight, got the title fight, won the title. Isn't it interesting that some people think... That was the first little thing that, that, that was in my head. When I kind of started thinking, I think I might need to do the same sort of thing. Then about a year later, I think is when I when I actually did stop. Isn't it interesting? Some people think you got to be obsessed. You got to. It's got to be your everything. You got to like just like set these goals, and you have to just lose yourself chasing that goal. And um, yeah. and that's like something you hear out of a movie quote, but it's not yeah. necessarily realistic. And hearing like a world champion like Dominic Cruz, like you said, he said, "I like." I got back when I let it go and be like, yeah. look it, we're going to tackle this day by day, put in the work and whatever's going to happen is going to happen. It doesn't mean I'm not trying my ass off. It doesn't mean nothing. It means I'm allowing, I'm, I'm allowing myself to realize I don't have that control. There's so many other factors like these injuries that are out of my control and I can't put it all on the outcome. I don't have control of the outcome. I have control over what I'm doing in my effort. I don't have control of the outcome. My worth is not attached to this outcome. And once you accept that and lose yourself in that, be like, I, it, I'm putting worth on something that is not mine and that's not real. And when I put bank everything on the world title, whether it be powerlifting or the bantamweight UFC title, that's fucking, that's... You're hitching your wagon up to something that's out of your control. That's when you start getting off course, right? Just be like, fuck it. Yeah. You know, focus on what you can do, your effort and your day-to-day, and things kind of will fall into place or they won't. It is what it is, yeah. right? It is, it is a freeing. Like, I, just me having this attitude now, it is really freeing and it's so refreshing. Like, knowing that, like, like I'll be honest with you. I'm always honest with you. I legitimately believe that when I come back, I can be world champion in two years. I legitimately believe that. Mm. So, it doesn't matter whether I start that comeback this year or the year after or the year after that. In my head, in two years, I can be world champion. 
I've got a fuckload of life to catch up. I've got a fuckload of living to catch up on. So I'm going to do that. Yeah. And if I find a way where I can keep living and go after the world title, so be it. But I'm not giving up everything for it again because just like being this lean, it's not worth the shit that I had to do to be world champion if I'm going to go back into that mindset. Yeah, it's, it's, almost, worth it. it's almost like, obviously, Dominic Cruz believes in himself 100%. It's just the fact that he doesn't need that to vindicate. He doesn't need that to, yeah. to be obsessed. It's kind of like, look, I 100% believe in myself. On the flip side, if it doesn't happen, I'm all right. My, uh, my life is, is worth more than that. I got other things on the go. It's far right. more healthy. I feel like I've got nothing to prove. But I still want to go back and try and be world champion anyway. That's how I feel right now. Yeah. Yeah. It, and that's probably, uh, well, it is way more mentally healthy to do that. You won't lose yourself oh, on something. Oh, yeah. yeah. Nah. I'm, I'm just not doing it again. Like, I'll probably still, I'll probably train for like an hour and a half max most of the time when I get ready for a, for a powerless competition. Because yeah. I want to go and do other shit. Like the other day, like I went and I went and had ice cream for me godson and his parents, and it was just like I would I would have gave up stuff like that pursuing powerlifting. And it was just like seeing his little face with his ice cream and the little tray at the park and that it was it yeah. was just lush. Like I'm not giving shit like that up anymore. Yeah. I'm just not doing it. Like we were saying, man, you become 80 years old, so life is fl- flies by. It, it happens too quickly. Yeah. Don't stop. Look back and be like, Jesus, man. Well, I just yeah. gave up so much. Not if you're not in oh, it. You know? Like, don't get me wrong. Like, I've still, I've still had a lot of good experiences in my time, but I just definitely know that I've missed out on a lot as well. Yeah. You know, I've 100% missed out on a lot. And, like, there's no point in me looking back and dwelling on that. Because, like, you know, realistically, with the way I've lived my life as well, like, I've had no surgeries and out like that. Realistically, I've still got, like, another 40 or 50 years of walking around well. Yeah. I don't make shitloads of experiences happen in that time. Yeah. And I, I don't want to, like you say, I don't want to go, I don't want to go up beyond my deathbed and be wondering about what would, what could have been. And that was how I used to, that used to only be powerlifting to me. So I would have gotten there and I still would have been thinking what could have been. Yeah. Like, what would have happened if it didn't take me fucking 37 years to win a powerlifting world title? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. Know? So like, like, it's that kind of thing, you know? Like, so, I just want the best of both worlds. In, in the thing I want to be able to have a healthy level of, like, level of time available to train, do what I need to get done. If that's enough to be world champion, great. If not, can I make more time available to do that and still have a life? If I can do that, I'm happy. And, and you can't reach this. Like, you can go back and be like, oh, I regret how I was before. I was too consumed by it. I missed too much. But like I said, there's nothing. Experience is the only way to move forward in life and develop as a human being. Yeah. You can read an article on it, see a V-blog on it, whatever the shit. But there's nothing like actually living through and experiencing something for yourself. And that's how you become the person you are right now. Because you've gone through it. How else, man? Like, people tell you shit and it goes in one ear out the other or you take a piece of it, but only through actually having these self-realization moments, you're like, oh my God. You know, yeah. now you're, you're in a different place in life. And I wouldn't have had any of these self-realization moments had I not just said, right, you know what, it's not going to happen next year. 
not going to happen at all. If I keep going down this way, Sam is going to pull out completely. And just, and what soon as I did that, that's when like, the ball started rolling with everything and just like, everything changed. And even, everything changed. even when you were obsessed with powerlifting and you're losing things in life, now that you're not makes you appreciate those things as well. Like it's, you know, that's why you, it's tough to regret certain things because you can't, like the sweet isn't sweet. Oh, I, don't, I, I, I don't regret a thing. I don't regret a thing. Mm-hmm. Like there's no point. There's no point in regretting anything because if you regret something, that suggests to me that if you were given the choice to change it, you would. Mm-hmm. But if you, if whatever happened, whatever came of that experience has went in some way to shaping the kind of person you are right now. So even if that thing is something that's really bad, if you've gotten out the other end of it and you're a better person for it, you shouldn't regret it because if you avoided that situation entirely, you might not have made, you might not have went through that life lesson which shaped you into the person you are right now. Yeah. So you should regret things like that if you're an absolute asshole. Yeah. Really? It, it, you it, know what I mean? Yeah, well, it's true. Only, only after you take some losses, like in life or in sport or whatever, um, are you actually really going to reevaluate? If you're skating by, and if you're skating by, um, you're just going to continue to skate by. If you never take any any losses in life or business or sport or anything, why are you going to self reevaluate? You don't do that until something fucked up happens. You're like, what the fuck happened back there? I have to stop and look at myself. What? How did that happen? And one hundred percent, it's true. You you. You can be like, I want to shelter myself from pain and loss or whatever. Good luck expanding on that, though. Why, why, why would you change anything if it's working? How many people, the saying, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Of course, you know, it's harder reevaluating and, and completely reconfiguring things. And you're not, so you're not going to. You just won't. Not, you might a little bit, but you're not really going to do an overhaul unless something messed up happens. And that's where, man, like you just said, Sometimes you're gonna have to take a big L and then reevaluate, and it's true, man. You will and, grow because of it. And in my experience as well, the more you avoid the L's on the way, all that happens is you just take a bigger L. Yeah, and down that the road. L becomes yeah. very hard to get out of. It becomes very hard to recover from. Whereas if you take a series of small L's there's a very good chance that somewhere along the line you're going to be like, right, you know what it is? I'm just, the same fucking thing's happening all the time here. Yes. Let's sort it. So then, it's not gotten to the point where it's a big problem and then you've sorted it. But if you avoid those little, if you avoid those situations where you might potentially lose, all that happens is it gets worse and worse and worse and then when you suddenly do take a, take a loss, oh, you're in for the shit. Yeah. You're in the shit for a while. Yeah, and, and I don't experience. And um, I think the more you're accustomed to when you take yourself out of those comfort zones, and if you take a few L's and you adjust later on in life, as as your character's stronger and you've you've been through this, you know, and you know, okay, you could turn this around. It's it's not downplaying what happens. You're not afraid. You're not afraid to put yourself out there because you're not afraid to fail because you know what it's like to try, swing, yeah. miss, fall on your face, but have to get back up and keep swinging. Because you've been there, yeah. and that only through, or you could stay in your comfort zone, stay in your comfort zone, never swing, don't swing hard enough, maybe bunt, maybe just get on base, 
And um, and if you ever swing and miss, now you're devastated. It's so hard to come yeah. back from it if you if you're if you're that guy. Some people actually yeah. some people actually put down people who throw themselves. They're in the stands. And they'll put down somebody who swings and misses and be like, look at this guy. He sucked. Hey, did you see, you see Screamer on stage? He didn't look like I thought he was going to. They're going to talk shit. Why? Because they're afraid to put themselves out there. And it's easier, to put, oh, easier to put you down and make themselves feel better for not going out of their comfort zone and trying by doing that. 100%. Yeah. It's, it's obvious when people are doing that. And that, that yeah. also helps put in perspective haters and shit like that. But yeah. We've had you want, man. We're going on two and a half hours, and we have an intro on this, too. This is going to be a three-hour podcast. Dude, my man. It's been good conversation. Yeah. We, we have to have you on again, obviously. Um, we'll talk, man, because you got so much on the go. Maybe closer to the powerlifting competition. Maybe afterwards, when you're looking back at all this journey. Whenever. But um, one more time before we let you go, I want everyone to know how to reach you for coaching as well as follow you on Instagram for your journey because, well, shit, there's my, that word again, but, but it's been a hell of one, man. Like, um, for whatever Wait, it is, I'll allow, I'll allow it to be fair. Like from the start of that two years until now, it has been a bit of a hospital. So I'll, I'll allow journey to be used. Good, good. Thank you, my man. So how do people get a hold of you for coaching one more time and follow you uh, on all your social media platforms? Pretty much all the same, to be honest with you, mate. So if you put Instagram, it's Instagram Annual. Link in the bio will take you to my website where you'll find all the information for the coaching program. Little email box at the bottom, type your name in that, give me your email address, and then I'll get your information out to you over the next few days or so. Any questions you've got about the program, about anything, like I want to make sure that there's no surprises, like you're signing up for 12 weeks of X, Y, and Z, don't expect A, B, and C, you know? So any issues you've got, We'll go backwards and forwards as long as it takes for you to be comfortable. If you want to sign up, great. I know I can get you where you want to be as long as give me, as long as you're willing to give me up to a year. Because, like, as as I've been saying this entire time, I used to think that saying I'll do it in 12 weeks, that was the way to go because a lot of people are going to think if it's going to take them a year, obviously not a very good coach. Now I realize that those are the kind of people that I don't want to work with. Fair. I, I want to work with the people who are actually making mature decisions from the jump. Yeah. And if I have to sway you that that's the right thing, or if I have to let you, if I have to tell you to not bother signing up for the program, let you fuck up a few times, and then work that out on your own, then come back to me. Like, whenever you're ready, I'm ready. But, you know, if you're not ready, yeah. if you... If the thought of a year, if the thought of slow rolling for a year puts you up, don't sign up. Yeah, that's fair. Anybody? That's fair, my friend. I like it. I like it. It's refreshing to hear a little bit of honesty. And out of and I'd expect nothing less from Screamer Manuel. Thank you for coming on, sir. We will keep in touch. And uh, I think this is a hell of a podcast, my man. Um, good luck and uh, good luck, and we're we're gonna be watching. Uh, on the body mailing. Good luck with the whole experience and uh, we'll keep in touch, buddy. Right. I'll give you a shout out for the competition. We'll get another date lined up because I could do this every week with you. Like, it's uh, I'm, I'm in. Give me a shout. Give me a shout, <laughs> buddy. All right. <laughs> All right, lads. Have a good day. Have a good one, buddy. And, uh, yeah, man, that's two and a half hours just with Screamer. I had an intro, et cetera, but fuck, man, we were, uh, 
just rocking and rolling there. Oh yeah, for sure. It's 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 a uh, because and that's the type of podcast I like. Look, we got a there's a million podcasts out there that are just going to talk about um, technical work for for training, like you know, like you were saying, foot position. You could go mm-hmm. 45 minutes on foot positioning for a squat, bench, dead, etc. You could go 45 minutes on just like rep ranges. You could go 45 minutes on you know whether managing fatigue levels and, and exactly um, managing your RPEs. The whole not, the you can't, and there's nothing wrong with that. And and yeah, like I dive into that myself mm-hmm. as well. You have to if you're going to be competing. However, having said that. Um, when I do this podcast, I like having powerlifters on and, uh, like m- my favorite podcast, I like the Joe Rogan podcast. I like, you know, he's got the biggest podcast. So that's probably like most people listening, but just have someone on and flow it. Right. And wherever we go, we go. If we start talking about training and it's interesting stuff, let's talk about it. Let's dig our heels in, pun intended, and talk about foot positioning on squats. <laughs> um, if that's where it is, uh, that's beautiful. But if we just start flowing and we're talking about like just somebody's fucking from A to B journey that is like nobody's experience or just, you know what I mean? Where you could just, that's, that's the stuff that I like hearing somebody's story like Garrett Fears podcast blew up or um, whatever it is, man. That's a, that's the type of podcast I like. Oh, for sure. You don't want to hear the robotic podcast, which you were saying earlier, just the question and answer. I don't like question and answer. Yeah. I don't (laughs) like question and answer. Um, if I want that, I could do a blog. I'll send you, tell me your rep ranges. Tell me, tell me your advice. (laughs) Tell me five tips for bettering a bench. Send me back your five tips for bettering a bench. I'll post it up. But if I'm going to sit down and listen on a Sunday while I'm, you know, doing some housework, whatever the shit, I want to listen to myself. I find it interesting hearing a guy like Screamer talk about everything he's been through, Mm -hmm. you know, like, like fighting depression, anxiety, and, and, uh, you know, being obsessive compulsively throwing himself into powerlifting and oh my god, this is unhealthy for me. Yeah, and then and listeners can relate to that if they're dealing with they struggles or, as well. Or even if they, some can, or even if you don't, you'll still be like, that was mad interesting. Yeah, yeah, you can even appreciate if you, it. Even if you're like, I've never obsessed over a sport like that. And you hear, you know, I think sometimes when you can't relate, but you hear um, almost glorified. You hear Michael Jordan was obsessed with basketball. You hear stories about it, and you think, like, "Well, oh, man, I wish I was obsessed with something that bad, and I could make it to the top." But I'm just not. And Screamer would tell you, "You right. don't. You fucking don't. You yeah. don't wish." Listen to me. You know, like even if you. So that's, it's almost like for people who can't relate and they hear it, there that you, you get a better understanding too. Whether you can or can't relate, yeah. it's like, wow, you walk away from that. And Screamer's like, you know what? You think you want what I what I'm you know, my obsession for this and that, or you don't know what you're asking for. It's mm-hmm. not healthy. Jordan might reach the highs of highs. You have fucking people who are like rock stars and you mm-hmm. think you want their life and but you find don't out realize they, everything they, they kill themselves. Find like... out late these rock stars kill themselves. You yeah. think you want to be the guy on stage and be that rock star and then three weeks later you commit a suicide. Right. You don't. Mm-hmm. You don't know what you're asking for. Now, um, and that's just like, I mean, that's the extreme, obviously. Oh, but for sure. But kind of like what Screamer was saying, to a lesser extent, is like, you know, there is like balances. And there mm-hmm. is like, you know. There's an opportunity cost for everything, essentially. 100%. There you go. That's, that's a good way of putting it. There's yeah. an opportunity cost. Um, and yeah, man, it's interesting listening to guys. And uh, just like when he heard Dominic Cruz talk about it on Joe Rogan, some people are going to hear that right now. Mm-hmm. That's pretty cool for me. Because when I look up our downloads and we're starting now to chart uh starting to chart on spotify certain chart on itunes we're starting to um reach like top percentiles and not just for powerlifting which is a very niche but 
not just for sports, podcasts in general. That's cool for me to hear and find out. Be like, people are starting to listen to these podcasts and they're not even necessarily powerlifters. Like sports fans, and somebody, a powerlifting buddy said, you should listen to this podcast. I'm not that into powerlifting though. Nah, but it isn't just that. They could talk about it, but they'll talk about it in an interesting way where they'll have a powerlifter on, but... It's, it's not strictly just powerlifting, not strictly about the numbers. Yeah, it's, it's, it's more it's, than that. Yeah, and... Um, and the only reason why we're charting the way we are right now is because of like people walking away like, holy shit. It's, it's applicable to other things. Exactly. Um, like the Garrett Fear podcast. His story was crazy. But when Screamer came on, just talking about growing up and everything he had been to, through like this two years ago, mm-hmm. when we had him on, it was bigger than that. He was a powerlifter talking. Right. And powerlifting was the, ba- the baseline. That's why I can read. I'm not into tennis at all. I read Andre Agassi's autobiography. Mm. It's called Open. You know, the U.S. Open That's or whatever open. That's a pretty open, name. But the fucking autobiography, he was so open. And I don't care about tennis at all. Right. That was one of the, my favorite autobiographies I've ever read. Interesting. That's what I love. And he talked about tennis. When we're on here, it's a powerlifting podcast. We talk about powerlifting. But it's bigger than that. That's what I always want King of Lifts to be when we have a guest on. I think when people come on here, they kind of know that. And they don't need an expectation. I, don't, I hope no one comes on with an expectation of, I need to come with some crazy shit. Mm-hmm. I need to come up with some crazy stories. I need to, don't worry about it. Right. We talk. If we end up just talking about your training and whatnot, that can be just as enlightening. Because I get, I get a good emotional takeaway of when someone's grinding and chasing their goals, and I'll, I'll dig into that too. Yeah, It's just, um, I don't know, man. We, we've uh, pulled away from just frivolous talk to, you know, just fluff. And also the extreme on the other side where it's just technical. Mm-hmm. And we're now in a position where we could just like the combos flow and it's still a power. It's, we didn't lose ourselves that we're no longer a power of the podcast. Right. We are 100%, but it's conversation gets flowing. God, man, it's a journey. We, we just cut that. Using that word again, the journey. Well, it is. <laughs> but, well, I feel like it is. We're going to hop on that boat together, set sail, pull off that, uh, pull off the rope. And wherever the fuck we flow to, we're going, right? <laughs> Two and a half hours later, and including intro, here we are. But anyways, I hope anybody listening, I hope you liked it. Uh, a, please do give us high ratings. Please do share this in your Instagram stories so we repost it. Because like I said, man, I get messages from people all over the world, and people are telling their friends, even if they're not powerlifters, and guys like Screamer and his experiences and, and their stories need to be told. And it's something that we could all take away from, not just if you're a power lifter, not just if you can directly apply. Like, that's that's me. I identify with that. Whether you can or can't identify with it. I mean, you take a lot away from these. You know, so let people know. I will repost. Give us high ratings. Tell your friends. It's much appreciated. From Six Pack Lapidat. Cafe Fitness. Peace.